Hey listeners, George here. I know I'm a part of the podcast and I'm doing a bumper for the podcast. It's a little weird. Listen, just listen, okay? Greg and I do another podcast called PlayStation Power where we cover PlayStation and PlayStation 2 games. It's not family friendly, but you might like it. Also, if you like me on this podcast, I also do other things. Master System Masterpieces, we cover Master System games, and we even have a podcast, The Box Fort. Not family friendly, but my co-host Joe and I sit down, talk about wacky and weird things, uncensored, and sometimes we bring on a guest and it gets really fun. So if you're not easily offended and you're able to withstand this uncensored content, um, please take a listen to The Box Fort. Uh, you can find them on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or just on my website, which is tibboxfort.com. T-E-H-B-O-X-F-O-R-T.com. Thank you, and now the SNES Podcast with Greg and George. That's me. Everybody, welcome to Super NES Podcast. This is episode number 68 for your listening pleasure. This is one of your regular co-hosts, Greg. Joined by always, it's my other fateful co-host, George. Pachinko. <laughs> yeah, oh, ep- Pachinko. Different episode this time, George. Down. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we did our special our special episode last time, and we we actually have another special episode for you guys uh, and girls this time because they, um, as we teased earlier. Uh, we do. Uh, we finally have our first uh, guest host, uh, 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 like in this podcast. Uh, the first of several guest hosts planned, uh, uh, planned like the near future, actually. Um, and we're and we are very honored and very pleased to have a noted, a noted like video game, uh, like book writer, um, and also fellow podcaster on the ClicoVision podcast, uh, Brett Weiss, uh, joining us tonight. Hey, how's everybody doing? Uh, very, very glad to have you on the episode, like it was, Brett. Oh, thanks. I'm glad to be here. So, a um, little bit of background. Uh, Brett recently posted a message on Facebook, um, which which really made me quite happy to read it, um, that that Brett's currently in the uh, stages. We're going to ask him exactly how, um, exactly how far along like it is here in a moment. Um, and I'll flag on some other questions, but... Uh, he is. Uh, he's. Uh, he's currently in the works of making of, of writing a book like on the Super Nintendo, um, and which made me very Ooh. happy because they. Um, uh, 
why I've read a lot of other books uh, about uh, about uh, about specific consoles in the past. I, I I don't think there's been a specific book about about the about the Super NES uh, by itself uh, uh, published uh, up to now. So uh, definitely very very interested to um, uh, like I like I read that when it comes out. So um, and I yes, some, I would really like to read it as yeah, well. Yep. So I've read some of Brett's books in the, uh, Brett's books in the past already. So I know he's a very good author as well. So um, so yeah. So I reached out to him asking asking if he could make some time busy schedule to come on the podcast with us and uh here he is so oh hey well one thing i, I do want to correct one thing you said there actually has been one super nintendo book uh, really that yeah it's got by a guy a guy named jeffrey wittenhagen okay and um it was a self-published book that oh, he did okay. through a through a kickstarter program and oh. uh, people think I'm crazy. People think I'm a little crazy for. No, you're uh, right. I remember that other, now. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, uh, yeah, but that's not. But that's not like come out yet either, right? It come out pretty recently, I believe. Okay. Um, I requested a review copy, but he said right now he's just focusing on his Kickstarter backers. Yeah, you're right. And I did forget about the Kickstarter. I, I didn't back that one yeah. because like I, I I backed the one because the only because the only option he had available 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 was the physical book, and the price was just uh, too much money like me at the moment. Uh, yeah. To, to pay uh, uh, to, to back it, but yeah I, yeah, I I will get that later on eventually. Like eventually, I think so. Yeah, I but. think he had like some uh, he he did a lot of the write ups himself, and he right. had some uh, some of his YouTube been uh i think uh like nintendo age buddies or something yeah. i do some of the write-ups i have the original uh nintendo book he did oh, okay and then right. uh he recently did a, a super nintendo one book but mine's gonna be quite a bit different than his cool um in a lot of ways so it's uh anyway i just wanted to mention that just so i mean i'm i'm always happy to people think i'm a little crazy but i i <laughs> uh, promote other other authors work too so right <laughs> you know so i just yeah. want you to let let you know that was out there no right. you're you're all brothers in that in that field and if you can help each well, other that, that's that's awesome yeah that's part of it not everybody feels that way i've, I've noticed yeah but, uh, but what one thing is i my primary income is from writing articles for newspapers and magazines. I write for the Fort Worth Star Telegram, which is a, okay. in the Dallas Fort Worth area. It's a it's a big uh, uh, metropolitan newspaper, and I write for Antique Week, which is a national publication. And so, mo- my the gen- the large bulk of my uh, income is writing for newspapers, magazines, and websites. The book writing is awesome, and it's cool for you know doing autographings and things. But but just percentage wise. Um, you know, that's, I guess that's how I can afford to, you know, talk about other people's works too. You know, if, if books were the only way I made a living, I might be a little more hesitant <laughs> to shout out other writers. But, uh, <laughs> but since my primary source of income is articles, I, I don't have a problem with, but anyway, I, you know, I am kind of the whole, you know, brotherhood kumbaya kind of guy. I like mm-hmm. to you know, promote other people that are doing good work and that kind of thing. So yeah. I have no problem with it. Yeah. yeah like like how we way, like to promote. But, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, just like how we like to promote other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, like, you know, you've also jumped into the world of podcast recently. Uh, so you become like one of the regular, regular co-hosts on Willie's uh, uh, oh yeah, podcast. I have a lot of fun doing the. Yeah. I have a I have a blast doing the ColecoVision podcast mm, because yeah. the ColecoVision is actually the first game system I ever owned. Mm. Um, I uh, in 1976 I was nine years old, and my two best friends each got a Fairchild Channel F, which was the first actual programmable with cartridges uh, console. You know, it it came out four years after the original Odyssey, 
but that technically wasn't a, pro- a programmable console, you know, with, uh, I don't want to get in the techni- the, you know, techno, technical specifics of it, but the first official pro- programmable car, uh, cartridge based console was the Fairchild Channel F, which came out a year before the Atari 2600. And my two best friends had those. And then I had friends in 77, 78, 79, 80. You know, they got the Atari 2600 and television, Odyssey 2. And uh, we that was just too expensive. I couldn't even get that for Christmas. And so I would just go to everybody's house and play it. I was obsessed with these games that everybody had. And I would just go to, you know, I knew who, which one of my cousins, which one of my friends. I knew everybody on the block who had which system and what games and all that. And I was, I was probably a little bit of a nuisance going over to their house all the time to play the systems but in the in the summer of 82 when i saw the ColecoVision commercials on uh tv i knew i had to get one because they showed donkey kong in action and it looked perfect just like the arcade at least you know at first glance and everything and um and i was 15 at that point so i could mow yards and stuff and get money and so I split uh, the cost of a ColecoVision with Santa Claus, and I got one for Christmas in 82. So I really like doing the ColecoVision's podcast because the ColecoVision, you know, I'm very sentimental about that system, and I, I, mm. I still love it today and still play it a lot. Yeah, I don't have too much history with that system because my system as a kid was the Tordi- uh, uh, Lex 2600. Uh, plus, yeah. I'm also like younger than you are, so you know, I was born in '76. Mm-hmm. So um, it was yeah. really, so it's really the NES, Super NES that I have the major, the major history and nostalgia for. But uh, well, most most people are younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was the PlayStation. Yeah, well, George, is the, yeah, George is the kid here on the podcast. So, but uh, that's awesome. But I, I like the PS One. <laughs> but yeah, and so, the PS Two. Yeah, so I played some ColecoVision oh, games, uh, games in emulation, but I really didn't have any history with the system. Uh, system, uh, system like I picked up a flashback when it came out in twenty fourteen. Uh, uh, oh I yeah, know, I know it's not perfect, but you know, for but for what I want, that's fine with me because I think there's uh, there's some good games on there, and I had my controller modified to give like a proper. A proper thumbstick. Um, so there you uh, go. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like you know, for but like what it is, it's fine. Like you know, I don't have any nostalgia or history of the system, so the flashback's fine with mm-hmm. me for being able to play the best games, the best games on there. But uh, yeah, I mean, like you know, click yeah, the Cleveland Vision ports of a um, uh, Venture and Frogger and a um, um, sorry, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 sorry, not Frogger, uh, Zaxxon. Uh, and uh, and a frenzy. Those are my three favorite games on there uh, because all three of those games are just excellent. Oh, frenzy is killer. Frenzy yeah. is so awesome. But um, yeah, so um, yeah, I was going to ask you because you know I know that from reading like reading some of your earlier books, uh, um, I know that you're primarily a guy focused on the games the se- uh, uh, on games on game seventies and eighties, which is why I'm curious as to why you decided to jump to, to, to jump in the nineties and do a book on Super NES. Yeah, well, it's just time to do that. The first book, uh, Classic Home Video Games 1972 through 1984, covered the Atari 2600, Odyssey 2, and Television, ClickVision, uh, Atari 5200, you know, all those great Golden Age systems, and the original Odyssey as well. Well, uh, when I was through with that book, uh, my publisher was interested in the second volume covering the next era, the NES, the Master System, and the Atari 7800. Well, then the next book after that, Classic Home Video Games 1989 through 1990. Now, the cover dates refer to when the consoles were released. So mm-hmm. uh, it was time to do the three consoles that were released in 1989, uh, the Neo Geo, TurboGrafx-16, and Sega Genesis. That book, every single cartridge uh, that was released in the U.S. for those three systems, or every, you know, every, th- every game, uh, is covered in that book. 
uh, encyclopedia style, you know, alphabetical order and, and within by console. Um, well, so it was time to do a fourth and final classic home video games uh, book because the next few consoles uh, after that, it would be the PlayStation 1. And I didn't want to do a book on the PlayStation 1 because there's over 1,500 titles. <laughs> and I just didn't have time or access to, to, to that many games. To, That's okay. That gives me to access really do to that. do it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You can, you, can, you can pick up where I left off. And oh, so, man. Yeah, so what I was going to do is a, a fourth volume of the Classic Home Video Game series covering the Super Nintendo, Atari Jaguar, the CDI, and the 3DO. Well, I started working on that a few years ago, and I got really bogged down on the CDI and 3DO, just, you know, finding information in games, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but I was still plugging along. Well, uh, a few years ago, or a couple years ago, uh, I had a new book published, The 100 Greatest Console Video Games 1977 through 1987, mm -hmm. through a different publisher, a publisher that the books are actually in bookstores. You can find it at Barnes & Noble and, you know, Million... Uh, whatever books a million you know different bookstores like that and it's got better production values it's got you know full color throughout and it's just i don't know just a, a bigger publisher yeah, it's an and so i decided book. i recommend it oh thank you i mean like you can pick one and up on amazon for like you know cheap so there's no reason uh there's no reason no reason no reason for anybody out there who enjoys who enjoys this period of gaming not to go out there and get it because it's a great book well thank you yeah it's a hardcover book with a lot of anecdotes plus history uh, programmer information gameplay details and all that stuff of what I think are the hundred greatest games that were released between 77 when the Atari 2600 came out and 87 which is when the uh, you know you get the first three years of the NES so you've got a lot of those early great NES titles like Castlevania Metroid Legend of Zelda yeah. Super Mario Brothers. So the book has a good, uh, and you know, coming up with that book, I just thought I was reading a, a book called "Keep Watching the Skies" about science fiction films of the 1950s. Mm -hmm. And that particular book covered, uh, like, they would quote other sources. It would talk about anecdotes, like you know, seeing the movie for the first time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, quoting the experts and whatnot. And I thought, well, there needs to be a video game version of that book. And so that's what that what that's what gave me the idea to do a specific decade. So you could play so through thought, 1950s sci-fi movies. <laughs> oh, you mean what? you mean a book version of video game? Oh, okay. I got yeah, it. yeah. Right. See, there's a there's a 50s a book on 50s science fiction that just covers the full decade. And so I, I applied that concept toward a video game book. Right. And so, or you know, towards the video game industry. And so, for me, a crucial decade is 77 to 87. That's sort of the 50s science fiction version of video games because that's when during their formative years and when a lot of innovations and a lot of things were going on, 77 to 80 thing, and, and what's now is very classic. And so that sort of gave me the idea to do that was that science fiction book. And so um, I went through, replayed a ton of these games and, uh, you know, really dug in to, to, to find some dark horse game. You know, I didn't want it just to be all obvious choices, and but I didn't want... I didn't want it to be, I mean, I wanted it to be purely based, like, I wanted it to run the gamut of the decade and not mm -hmm. just pick out, you know, all the obvious choices. So I really dug down, and I'd played most of these already anyways because of writing the classic home video games books. You know, I had a lot of experience from this era growing up during that time also. And so the research was pretty well laid out already, but I replayed a lot of this stuff, went back and got a, uh, 
Star Pass Supercharger for the 2600 so I could fully, oh, fully uh, value, you know, gauge the value of all those games as well. And I put the games in actual alphabetical. If you look through the book, the games are listed in alphabetical order mm-hmm. instead of in order of greatness because I didn't want people picking up the book looking back in the 80s and 90s and think, eh, those games aren't that good because they're not in the top 10 or 20 or whatever. I wanted to put them in alphabetical order so they're all given equal weight. You know, every game, even the the lesser-known ones, are given two to four full pages. Yeah. You know, so each game can, can shine on its own. You know, Super Mario Brothers has an entry, but also, you know, like Turmoil for the Atari 2600, which most, most people haven't heard of. You know, it's given equal coverage just about. And so I wanted to shine a spotlight on each game, you know. Right, fully, as a comment, it's just, never – sorry. Yeah, it's not – yeah, uh, no, I can also say also, like in praise, like, you know, it's never easy coming up with a list. Like, anytime anybody comes up with a list of 10 best or 100 best or whatever for, mm-hmm. for whatever thing, there's always going to be disagreements. Um, yeah, and, yeah. You know, and for something oh, as yeah. daunting as that, um, I do understand why. Um, um, yeah, you know, I'm happy personally that you didn't, just, that you didn't rank anything, uh, rank anything, but it's simply just threw in your personal opinion about the best, the best hunter games. And like, you know, it's, uh, of course it's objective, but I think I probably agreed with like, uh, I agree like most of your list because, you know, uh, uh, because, yeah, because there are some very overlooked games on there that are, uh, that are really like uh, fun games. But, you know, I, I think maybe there's probably, there's probably only about maybe a dozen or so that, that I don't agree with, but, you know, for, mm-hmm. but, but list that big, that's pretty good. So I thought it was really like an excellent, like an excellent list altogether. Well, one thing I did was uh, include quotes from other reviewers, mm-hmm. both yep. today, like for websites, and back in the day during the magazines of the time of the early '80s. Right. So you get sort of a broad overview of what you know people now and what people back then. I even quoted some people that disagreed with my choices, just to give you know a broad perspective. Plus, at the back of the book, there's an appendix of a, of the next hundred. Yes. Yep. So it, yeah. it it lists a hundred more games that are worth seeking out. Right. That's a really interesting idea, you know, comparing a comment that somebody made about a game back around the time that it came out and comparing it to, you know, modern times. Right. That's that's a oh, really cool idea. Yeah, we try to do that Thank on the you. podcast here, like the games we cover, but it's not always yeah. easy. No. Well, it was interesting doing that because, like, when Adventure came out for the Atari 2600 back in uh, 79, I believe. That was um, a big game. Yeah, it was a big game. A lot of people said this is the these are this is the game of the future. This is what people are <laughs> you know this is going to change the industry, which it obviously did. But right. some people were you know there were some. It's not it wasn't 100 percent. You know nobody would dare say anything bad about it now. <laughs> you know as far as you know they might joke about the graphics or whatever, but just as far as the impact it had and the the cleverness of the gameplay or whatever. But but you know it wasn't you know fully embraced uh, you know when it came out. So it, it is interesting to look. You know, at the at the old, and I've got a massive magazine collection of of the you know the magazines I grew up reading. You know, I would stand around and uh, you know there were in the early eighties there was a bunch of you know electronic uh, games magazine was the first one uh, that was fully de- devoted to video games mm-hmm. in the early eighties. Well, it had a you know joystick and electronic fun with computers and games. A whole bunch of different titles came out, and I would stand around at the grocery stores reading you know every issue that would come out because i couldn't afford to get them all but you know i bought the ones that i could and since then i've gone back and uh replaced all the ones that have you know i read them to tatters so i didn't have them anymore but i've amassed a pretty big collection of of a library of old magazines so i quoted from those you know when 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 relevant for for the 100 greatest book and um 
So there's a you definitely get a, a broad variety of opinions other than my own in the book. Right. I love when you go back and read a re- like multiple reviews and you know a lot of people really don't like the game and then you mm-hmm. jump to modern times and like almost everybody loves it. <laughs> I, well, it's, you know it's the, so, the, it's so perfect. Funny. Uh, yeah, a perfect example of that is combat for the Atari 2600. Right. Because when it came out it was fun, and, and, and everybody, I mean, we people had a lot of fun playing it because everybody had it for their console. But yeah. after a while, it got a little bit dated looking, and every, and every time you went to a pawn shop or a garage sale, everybody always had it. So the game started getting kind of a bad reputation just based on how common it was and on how primitive it was. But then today, if you pick it up new and play it, you just have an absolute blast because it's just one-on-one fighting. No luck involved. Mm-hmm. Pure skill. You know, each per, each player has has the exact equal footing with the other player. You know, it's never right. the computer's fault when you die. It's never. It's not unfair at all. It's not cheap at all. You know, it's just the perfect, you know, one on one game. You know, the pre to me, uh, combat sort of was the template for you know the one in one one on one fighting games of the future. Right. Right. Well, I've also yeah, seen combat. the opposite happen too because like you know like you do on like. Uh, like you know, where a game was loved back then, but but nowadays doesn't have the same praise for it. Like you already mentioned, Donkey Kong, like the Glucovision, uh, that game was that game was praised the high heavens when it came out originally. But if you look yeah. at like modern views of it, people realize realize the shortcomings and the shortcomings and flaws that the game has. And yeah, no they, nowadays they be, pick it apart. They right. pick it apart pretty thoroughly. Yeah. yeah. But, when that but came, it's still came, one of the hundred greatest because I yeah. put it in there. <laughs> yeah, but it deserves to be because at the time that was the best home port. Uh, like, yeah, because at the time that was the, uh, that was the best home port of the game, bar none. Yeah, and uh, it and well, one one prerequisite for the book for a, for a game to be included, it had to hold up today. It had to still be fun today, and I think that game is still fun. I mean, you can pick apart the flaws. Yeah, like you know, you're pushing up on the ladder for it to go faster. You know, that's not arcade perfect. <laughs> you know, yeah. you push up twice on the joystick for it to go. And you know, there's there's things about it that aren't arcade perfect, but it's still it's still fun. Yeah. So I didn't know that you were doing a fourth book like in your like in your classic home video game series. That's pretty cool. Well, I was. It, I kind of got this. I kind of so the to finish that story. I, I was working on the fourth book, and I do have some of the 3DO and CDI stuff written and stuff, and I may complete it someday. But did you happen to go through Plumbers Don't Wear Ties? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm I'm part of that, but uh, <laughs> I actually have that game. Oh dear. Yeah. Well, see, the, the problem was it, I was getting bogged down with the CDI and 3DO, and just the commercial aspects of a Super Nintendo book, and I wanted right. to. Everybody's asking me when you know when are you going to do it? For years, people have been asking me when I'm going to do a Super Nintendo book, and I thought, you know, with the production values of the hundred greatest book, and with I'm getting bogged down in these systems that most people don't care about anyway. I'm just going to go ahead and do a Super Nintendo book. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, you know, if you have the choice between the two, I mean, obviously go for the SNES book because, you know, how many people care about the CDI and the 3DO compared to well, all yeah. those people who grew up with the SNES? Well, they do SNES. care about it also. Like, if I can also make another, like, you know, a book plug. I'm currently reading uh, the just published, I'm sorry, the just released uh, Phoenix 4th Edition. Um, oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah that's he, a great book. Yeah, and what he does that? spend he does spend considerable considerable coverage talking uh, about the systems. So, like it's a great like it's a great like Ooh. complete capsule book about the whole history uh, the whole history the whole history of the video game industry. So I mean, well, the fourth classic home video games book. I mean, my original vision of it, and I, I mean, I, it was going to have the Super Nintendo in there too. 
it was going to be you know Super Nintendo Jaguar CD and 3DO. I was going to have those four systems, but oh, so many sorry. people are asking. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so many people are asking about the Super Nintendo book, and I thought, you know, for this to be, I'm just going to do a Super Nintendo book because it can be full color. I can ex- spend more time on each game, and this is going to be a large hardcover book that's going to be bigger than the 100 Greatest book. It's going to be like a big coffee table book, so the pictures will be bigger. And there'll be more information about each game than than in the classic home video games book. You know, the classic home video games book, you know, each game gets one paragraph. Mm. And uh, I try to make it as substantial as possible within each paragraph, you know, right. to be concise and give you as much information as it could in a short, uh, short paragraph. But the Super Nintendo book is going to be lengthy uh, entries for each each game and plus screenshots for every game. Uh, the box scan, and then some other things like vintage ads and stuff. Yeah. So, so was, this is okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. That sounds great. I was, I was just going to ask you what your actual what your actual plan was for covering the system. It sounds like um, so you so you, uh, so you plan upon trying to give uh, a little bit of coverage to every game in the system that got released in North America. Every single U.S. release is going to have a full write up, um, oh. uh, like a full page mm-hmm. or two. Per game. Okay. So, like, maybe some of the bigger games might have two or three pages, but even the smaller games will have a full page. And um, that's the plan now, anyway, because I'm getting a lot of good stuff. See, okay, so I'm writing every description of each game, like going into gameplay details with some review commentary as well. So I'll do each game. But what I've what else, what I've also been doing is for most of the games I'm having outside contributors that are in the industry. Ah. And so oh, nice. yeah, and what they're doing is writing uh, anecdotes, like stories of growing up playing the game, uh, getting the game for Christmas, special hate for a particular game, <laughs> uh, how a game maybe bonded them. Like I've got some really cool stories about like I bonded with his grandfather playing a game. Um, you know uh stuff like that and i'm getting i've I've had some really cool contributors uh for example um there's been some game programmers uh contribute to the book like uh let's see well i'll just go on the list here i'll I'll, I'll name off a few like 8-bit i don't know if you guys ever see you guys know 8-bit eric eric perez he's a pretty popular youtuber yeah he's got a real popular yeah he's got a popular youtube channel so he's written some stories for the book I've got Chris Baker, who uh, worked for oh. Marvel in the Marvel video game division. Right. Yeah, and uh, Tim Lapatino, who wrote Art of Atari. He's yeah. got uh, some stories in there. That's also a great book, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Ben Reeves, an uh, editor with Game Informer. He's got several stories in there. And then some programmers like Chris Waita. I'm not exactly sure how to... You know, some Atari programmers and Super Nintendo programmers are contributing. Patrick Scott Patterson, the big media guy. Yep. Uh... Brittany Brombacker, the uh, blonde nerd uh, chick, she's, she's got some stuff in here. Good variety of YouTubers, programmers, authors. Blake Harris has an entry in here uh, that wrote the console wars. Right, and, right. Uh, I have that Willie Culver's got a couple of stories in here. So, yeah, it's just a wide range of, uh, of different, uh, you know, convention exhibitors, uh, programmers, reviewers, YouTubers, Michael Thomason. Who's a, a video game professor? Uh, like a he, he teaches like college level uh, video game design courses. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I've got I've got a good uh, variety. So you'll have a lot of other voices in here other than my own, and you're going to get a lot of uh, you know personal stories that that people really seem to like reading. 
Hmm. Awesome. Um, do you plan to do um, a list maybe – Possibly, like possibly, as appendix or whatever, about your personal opinions as to what the as to what the best or worst games in the system are going to be. Like you do with the hundred, our greatest book. Ooh, that's not a bad idea. You know, just at the back, maybe just have a list of my favorites or something like mm-hmm. that. That's yeah. not a bad idea. I, I will mark that down as an, as a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to put thanks to the SNES podcast on the back. <laughs> no, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna pretend this was my idea. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, okay. I, will, I will. I will definitely include special thanks for the SNES podcast. Just because, I mean, oh, wow. for the for the idea, plus having me on. I mean, you know, that's that's a special thanks right there. <laughs> oh, so I do have an announcement to make about the book. Sure. Uh, that's that I'm just revealing here for the first time. It's out now. now. <laughs> yes. Now this announcement may some people might not like. But I think the majority of people will like it, especially when they see the book of what I have in mind. Okay, so the publisher, the president of of the company, the publisher that I'm right. This is for Schiffer Publishing. It's a pretty big publisher. They have a lot of books in stores and stuff. When I pres- when I presented my idea to him, I liked the idea, and but what he wanted me to do was split it up into two volumes. Mm-hmm. Now, some people aren't going to like this because they say, oh, great, now I have to buy two books. But yeah. I think it's going to be worth it because what this does is instead of each game just having half a page with small pictures, each game is going to have at least one full page with larger photos. So you're going to get a lot more text. You're going to get bigger photos, more screenshots, uh, and it's just more practical. I mean, you can. it was going to be one massive expensive book that you're going to have to wait probably another year and a half for or longer. Or you can get the first volume probably early next year uh, with bigger pictures, more text, more more time and, and um, real estate devoted per game. So I think on total this is a, a I, I'm really glad he suggested this because I think it's going to be a better a better uh, product overall uh, to split it up into two volumes. Because I mean, 700 and something games. Yeah. Trying to squeeze that into one book was just going to be a monster, and the pictures yeah. were going to be small, and I was going to have to squeeze in. You know, I've got a lot of really good stories here from that, that people are sending in. Like Martin Alessi, the guy that publishes uh, Little Player Magazine. Uh, that's a new magazine aimed at little kids that you can find at Barnes & Noble. You know, there's just so many good stories from so many different voices that I just didn't want to squeeze it down. And I'm glad the uh, publisher suggested putting it in two volumes. So the first volume is going to be A through M. And then the second volume will obviously be the rest of the alphabet. And... In addition to each game uh, covered fully, uh, in the back of the book, there's going to be some essays on, uh, like Michael Thomason uh, did a super essay on the Super Scope, real in-depth history of the Super Scope with each game. And then uh, Russell DeMaria, I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but he wrote... Yeah, classic author. Yeah, pretty well known. Yeah, classic author. He did a lot of the like Super NES game secrets, Super Mario World game secrets. Oh, okay. TurboGrafx-16 game secrets back... Back before the internet, you know, was really uh, uh, before everybody had the internet. That's how you got um, game information. He wrote game secret <laughs> books. Yeah. yeah, he would write real in-depth guides. So I was really honored that he he contributed an essay about the con- the console wars. So plus he he inter- he you know wrote some entries for the book too. So you're, you're going to get a much better. You're going to get two what I think are going to be really you know extensive uh, good volumes that people are going to like a lot as opposed to. You know, one book that would really be good, but pretty probably pretty cumbersome. You know, with every single game squeezed into one book. Also, so I think a I, little limited. So, the two the two volumes is actually a better idea because 
you can do, you know, what you said, bigger pictures and. Well, yeah, I think I it's like going to be a much do. better product. Yeah. yeah, and and you know it, it the the and you know it probably won't be quite as much. You know, each volume will be a little cheaper than than the one massive volume. So oh, you, you know, at least you'll, at least you can spread it out a little bit. You know, you buy one early next year uh, it'll be the first volume and then probably I don't know six months to a year after that will be the second volume but you have something to look forward to <laughs> so you but, plenty uh, anyway, on... I, I'm sorry go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I do I, I just think the two volume solution is, 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 is I really like that idea and if the you know the president of this of this really uh, prestigious publishing company if it's good enough for him it's good enough for me <laughs> <laughs> um, so is your plan to have the book released like released in both hardcover and kindle format like your previous stuff well, uh, that's a good question. The 100 Greatest Console Video Games, which is by the same publisher, I'm still bugging them to do a Kindle version. Now, the classic home video games books have all been put in Kindle format, as have my self-published books, like uh, you know the, my book on writing and my uh, Filtered Future a book of short stories. All my books are in Kindle format, except for the 100 Greatest Console Video Games, and I've still been... You know, every time I talk to, to them, I say, so, are we going to get that Kindle version yet? And I say, well, we're looking into it. You know, apparently it's more, there's more to it than people, you know, there, there's a lot of design work and figuring out if it's going to be worth or, I don't know, I think they should have done it by now, but they're, they're and I tell them, I said, look, gamers are very technologically oriented, a lot of them, especially the, the hardcore uh, fans that buy books, uh, a lot of them are very technologically oriented, a lot of them want a digital version of the book and so far I'm still waiting so hopefully this one will be digital out of the box and I still won't be waiting but but so far what I know is it's going to be a large hardcover full color book hopefully it will be in digital form as well but we'll see as far as I understand making you know making a book digital isn't too hard <laughs> well I'll have you call my publisher and tell him. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, uh, making with, a digital book isn't hard. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with the the self publishing I've done, um, you know, Amazon will sort of convert the format. If you, you know, the, they'll convert it for right. you. Yeah. You know, the right. format. Right. But I don't know. I'm still. Hopefully, I'll, I'll keep bugging until it happens. Hopefully. So you mentioned like you know one of the advantages advantages about splitting the uh, about splitting the project into two books is like the price point. You're kind of hoping to keep it around the same twenty five dollar price point that your previous books are at. Well, this is going to be a larger format than the hundred greatest book, so it'll probably it'll it, I'm sure it'll be more than that. It it it'll be more than that. I mean, it, the hundred greatest book is technically thirty five dollars, but Amazon, you know, with their discounting, it's usually around twenty five twenty six okay. when yep, you look yep. it up on Amazon. Yep. So this book will be uh, more than that because it's going to be a larger format. But uh, anyway, price point hasn't been determined yet. I'll have to wait and see what the publisher says. Okay. And you're hoping you're hoping to get the first the, the first volume out like sometime early next year. Yeah, that's uh, it's due at the publisher this summer, but I'm hoping to finish it before then. Okay. Um, so hopefully by spring of next year it'll be out. But if not, surely by summer. But How I'm shooting the, for. Yep. Uh, how is the research? How is the research? How is the research and writing of it going? Uh, have you played all the games yet? It's going great. See, I'd been I had been working on the classic home video game series. You know, this was going to originally be the fourth book of the classic home video game series. So right. I've been working on it for years. So yeah, I've had I've had the opportunity to play most of them and to do the research on most of them. And um, 
for the super rare stuff that I just don't have access to, I've, what I've done is just written a dis- wrote, wrote in a description, you know, or written a description. You know, I can still describe <laughs> the game thoroughly, you know, but based on YouTube videos and research and things like that. So I'll just give you the description, and then what I'll do is I'll have someone else come in and do the review, you know, because each game will have my description of the game, and then followed by you know somebody writing like maybe a personal memory or just a straight up you know capsule review of the game so like for example there's mountain bike rally which is a super rare game that you can even hook it up to like there's one that hooks up to like an exercise bike yes, or something. I've heard about this game. Yep. Yeah. yeah so what i'm doing is i'm describing the game and then i've got a i've got a guy that actually has all that equipment and oh, wow. he's playing it and reviewing it so that kind of thing yeah, yeah, that stuff's yeah, that stuff's not easy to find like anymore these days. It's kind of like with the Miracle Keyboard, uh, because like you know, um, yeah, you right. Know, the Super NES version of that did not sell very well, so that's uh, right. uh, so that's hard to find these days. Wait, there's an SNES version, uh, SNES version of that? Yes, there is. I thought there yeah, was it's a lot harder to find. Oh. It's a lot harder to find than the NES one. Yeah, the wow. NES version was much more common. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But there's also yeah, so yeah, I've yeah. I've done most of the research, yeah. I've done most of the write-ups. I've just got a few write-ups on my end to do, and I'm still editing stories from other people, and I'm actually still soliciting stories. I've got a you know, there's still a small window of, of time for people to submit stories. Um, if you just go to my website, b r e t t w e i s s words.com, brettweisswords.com, the first entry you you can see where I'm soliciting stories for this book, and you can email me. And I'll send you all the information. So if you're in the industry, if you're a podcaster, reviewer, if you've ever been in the industry in any in any professional, uh, you know, way, then uh, send me a message, and I, I'll, you know, you might be able to write about one of your games and get your byline in my book. So there's a small, you know, I'm I'm probably going to be accepting stories for the next month or so. Cool. Um, because I can still, you know, plug in some stuff before I turn in the book. So. Oh, awesome! Uh, yeah, um, yeah. If you're taking if you're taking submissions from podcasters, I definitely will have to like you know like um, like look into that because it's, it's, yeah. What I can do is I can now a lot of the games are covered already, but sure. I can send a list of what has already been covered, and then you could pick from you know pick a few titles or one title or whatever yeah. from uh, the ones that aren't on the list. So no, there's still a, some yeah. No, I played. Yeah, no, I played. Enjoyed a lot of the obscure games that come out. You came out with the system. I probably, you know, probably not going to get like too much love. But uh, yeah, um, you know, for example, like the Koei games. Um, uh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, Romance I, of the Three Kingdoms. Yeah, and I'm stuff a huge like that, fan. Yeah. I'm a huge. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that company's output. So, but uh, oh, I'd love to get some. That's kind of uh, some things I could use. So I'll send you a message. Uh huh. <laughs> I figured it's very cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, Pat Contry, uh, he wrote. Are you familiar with uh, Pat? Contry? country's book on the nes uh yes um I, yeah I'm not, well he had I'm not read that one but i am familiar with, uh, with it yeah it's ultimate nintendo guide to the nes library yeah uh one thing he, he he hired a guy specifically to write about the koei games awesome. just because they're yeah. so so detailed <laughs> i'll check that yeah. out because he asked me he said do you want to write about the koei games and i was like no <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so yeah. uh so yeah he got one guy that was specifically uh in Interesting those That's games. Awesome. Boy, yeah. that'd be like Greg's dream dream job right there. <laughs> well, I'm a history oh, major. So of... I eat a history major, like so I eat the yeah, so I yeah. eat those games up. I mean, like you know, because those were great. Because like you know, uh, yeah. But but yeah, not all those games. But yeah, not not all those games are historical. I mean, Aerobiz is like uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's about the airplane, the airplane industry. So, but right, that's, right. Um, uh, we, but it's history now. Now it is, yeah, I suppose, <laughs> but it's. It, it's 
Hey, if nothing else, it's a video game history, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, speaking uh, of Pat's book, I've got about 50-something reviews in Pat's oh, book. Oh, cool. Awesome. That, yeah. yeah, that was one of my... Right. That was kind of cool. He, uh, I got to know him at, at, you know, just setting up at different video game conventions. And uh, so I kind of got to know him, and he, he oh, asked awesome. me if I wanted to contribute it contribute to his book he actually hired me as a freelancer for a little while to write for his book so that was nice oh awesome yeah yeah so i know that you want to do um so like i know you make a huge point uh like in your like in all your books uh uh which i totally agree with like in love by the way uh about wanting to play the game the physical copy of the game on physical hardware so you can like you know, actually compare and contrast it to how it was uh, that could be pricey. Uh, yeah, we're, we're yeah, right. that's what I prefer. I've got a big game room with all the consoles set up and stuff, and uh, that kind of thing. I've had to borrow games from store owners and from friends and collectors and stuff to to do some of my classic home video games. Um, you know, some of those books in that series. Well, I was going to ask you, like, you know, like, do you ever use emulation just to check out the games to try to get some? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, uh, do you have a favorite emulator like the Super NES that you like using? Uh, not really. I mean, I just. Um, I, I'm see, I'm I'm tech, technologically inept, <laughs> so so you know, flashcards for the older systems and stuff. I'm fine flash with flashcards are great. Like that. Yeah, yeah, that's just a wonderful idea to have flashcards. But right, but uh, yeah. But yeah, cool. Um, I um I uh, I certainly I certainly understand splitting the splitting the splitting the library up like in two books because it's such a huge library. I mean, like you know, I'm surprised that you didn't do that uh, like the NES back when you were covering it back in your earlier uh, classic series because that would be, uh, because I think the NES has an even bigger library in North America than Fighting Super NES does. So well, they're uh, both 700 and something. Yeah, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but they're they're both over the 700 mark, I believe. So yeah, the, getting it so yeah, so getting two books definitely def, definitely give it the exposure and coverage that those games deserve. I yeah, think. because like I said, yeah, there's a lot of when you get a library that big, there's a lot of hidden gems there that slip through the cracks that people just don't know about. Which is also, yeah. a little bit of a break. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's one of the yeah. reasons. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the reasons that we want to do this podcast, like you know, a podcast uh, to cover, you know, cover both the popular, well-known games and also the games that I think are very good, but that are very good, but one uh, but one or another just didn't get any, you know, just didn't get the attention that they deserved, like when they came out. So. Well, that that's one cool thing about working on these books is discovering games that uh, that I hadn't played before that I find really fun. Like one example is Trog for the NES. It's a really cool classic oh, yep. maze game yeah. that I hadn't played before writing the book. So that was cool. Right. And then something like uh, 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 for the Odyssey two, it's a. Uh, God, the title just anyway I've discovered quite a few hidden gems myself you know just researching these books right yeah and that's uh, actually kind of why I started doing podcasting because you know you get these games and it's just like hey what are we going to cover and then Greg will you know Greg will say hey let's do this game it's like oh I never heard of this game what is it and then we play and it's like oh okay like I really like this game and then I'll you know we'll we'll reverse and I'll pick a game, and Greg never heard of it, and then he plays it, and he, you know, he gives his feedback, and it's really interesting because um, you just get to learn about the game's library and everything, and uh, it's like oh, basically why the uh, Master System Masterpieces podcast started because I knew nothing about the Master System, and I mm-hmm. didn't see a podcast out there, so I said, hey, you know. Why don't I just do a podcast while I basically learn about the library 
of this console, and it's 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 cool. good journey. Well, one thing it does is give you an excuse to play a particular game. You know, sometimes I walk into my game room and there's just so many games. I'm like, okay, what game am I going to play? <laughs> so it, it gives me a little focus on what right. what titles to to to, to do. Right. So. Yeah, and it's it's really fun because it's just like, okay, now I get to you know talk about how I feel about the game and how it felt, mm-hmm. and I think it was really cool. Yeah, it's research. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm not. Cool. I'm, I'm not just playing a game. I'm researching. <laughs> yes, it's work. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Brett, that's a that's a good point because that was another question I was going to ask you. Um, 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 it's obviously. Um, uh, it must be very difficult because I can imagine the difficulty. Like if I was in your shoes trying to write about these classic games, a lot of the games I probably haven't played for one reason or another. It must be very difficult. To be, difficult to try to like separate yourself now in 2017 from when those games originally came out and try to give it a fair and objective look looking at the game as it would have been then as it's to now i mean i mean like, you seem to take a good balance of approach in your books to try to look at it both ways but it's like that's gonna be very very difficult to do yeah and and there's two good examples i give of games that in particular that i don't think have held up particularly well but that are historical like Superman for the Atari 2600, I mean, that was a groundbreaking game because it was multiple scenarios. It was an early superhero title. It was story-based. You know, there's a number of reasons that game was influential and cutting edge, but to me, I don't really feel like playing it today. Um, another one is Utopia for the Intellivision. Oh, I which love Which I'm sure that a lot game. of people... Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people still love, but I don't know that it's held up that well, but it was definitely... Um, cutting edge and groundbreaking at the time. I've been begging, uh, begging the homebrewers to make a modern version of that game for years. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, <laughs> that would be that would be uh, pretty cool to see about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I did. That. Yeah, because I played. Uh, somebody, somebody way back when uh, uh, made uh, uh, made a uh, unauthorized port to the Commodore 64. Uh, caused something different, of course, that I had as a kid. Yeah. And I love that game. I, I never. I, I didn't realize it was actually based upon a television game. Like years later. So, mm. but uh, yeah, but yeah. No, I can definitely agree with that. So yeah, uh, and there's. I mean, and opinions. I mean, one. The one game I get busted on that people say I should have included in the 100 Greatest in the main body of the book. It's in the appendix, but it's not in the main body of the book. People just kill me for not putting in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out for the NES. That's, that's, in the that's main one of the body few games of the book. I, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, that's one of the few games that you get didn't like agree with. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's just not one of my favorites, and so I didn't include it. <laughs> but it's in the appendix. You know, I gave it, I gave it, I gave it some, some notice. Right. And some people say I should have put in more Master System games, and you could definitely argue that point. But you uh, can boy, never was, have enough Master System. Yeah, games. <laughs> well, it was hard. Yeah. It was hard to, to. It was painful to leave certain titles out of the main body of the book. I think even George would agree with me, however, that the Master System didn't really have too many, too many, uh, too many super unique, awesome games on it. But there's there's yeah. really a handful. Well, and plus they had to. I mean, once they were past eighty-seven, I couldn't inc- like I couldn't include Fantasy Star because it came out yeah. in the U.S. in eighty-eight. Yeah. It came yeah. out in eighty-eight in the U.S. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So, but awesome. Um, well, it certainly sounds very, very ambitious. Um, you know, I definitely, I, I um, um, you know, I'm definitely thrilled that you're going to be doing this. Uh, like because, like I said, books in the system are pretty hard to come by, and so I definitely will pick mm-hmm. it up as soon as it comes out. Um, and you know, I, I also, I also encourage you. Um, eventually, at some point, to finish to finish your plan for the fourth, like the fourth book in the classic in the classic game series, also because I think that would be like fun to read as well. 
Yeah, I'll probably whittle away on that one, uh, you know, here and there. It's just uh, just from a sheer time and uh, practical standpoint, it'll be a while. Yeah, because those systems don't get a lot of love. So, like, you know, reading – so anything comes out – I'm saying my podcast. Like, you know, like like any time that a system, a system gets a book or a podcast comes out and whatnot, even if I had no history or experience with the system, I would gladly check it out and listen to it because, you know, because, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter if it's popular or obscure or big or small, but, you know, I just eat that stuff up. So, and have you guys been listening to Earl Green's uh, Odyssey 2 yes, podcast? Yeah, yeah, it's a podcast. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good, he's a friend of mine. He's really cool. That was another reason I wanted to start the Super NES podcast because I'm like, I was shocked the fact the system that I, I said this popular didn't have a podcast out on it yet. But, yeah, that is pretty bizarre. I didn't realize, you know, I discovered you guys, you know, I saw you on Facebook, but I, but, uh, I didn't realize there wasn't another one or, nope. I mean, that's it. So, you guys are pretty much it, huh? Yeah. That's cool. That's, that was a big reason I wanted to start it. Well, see, that's, that's cool. You found a, a hole in the marketplace and you filled it. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, one thing I discovered fairly well, I didn't discover it, but I just, that just came to my attention recently is, uh, the classic home video games books. Those are published by a company called McFarland Publishers, and they do a lot of uh, pop culture books. Well, I just uh, it just occurred to me the other day that um, see now that company has an entire uh, section of books devoted to video games. You know, oh, okay, on their website, cool. and even well, the first the very first video game book was mine uh, was my classic home video games 1972 through 1984, which came out 10 years ago uh, this year. Wow. So that's the 10th anniversary of that book, and it was the first video game book by that company, which I think is kind of cool. Um, just curious, um, you know, do you know or are you at liberty to, to give rough numbers as to how well your books have sold? They do pretty well. I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> I don't like to, to talk that, that numbers like quite like that, but they're, The 100 Greatest has been far away the bestseller because you oh, can yeah. actually walk into a physical bookstore and buy it. Right. And it's the price point of $25 for full color. People like that, and it's it's been very, very successful. And my personal preference, I think all your books are great, but I I would have to agree. I think that, um, I think that one's my favorite just because, like you said, not only because of the presentation, but also because, like, you know, um, it's very interesting. Whenever anybody comes out with, like, a, a 10 best or 100 best, I, I, I'm always eager to pick it up and read it because I'm like, you know, okay, uh, do I agree or disagree? Like, you know, how do you pre- – Yeah. I know how – I mean, how does he like present the games, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. So, but, uh, well, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to work. It was by far the most enjoyable book I've ever written because it was a lot of fun. You know, there's anecdotes in there too. So I could tell stories about, you know, growing up, play these games or particular things that, you know, beyond just the description or review I wrote, I could go into more depth with some production history and yeah. some, you know, talking about me and my brother getting drunk on tequila, playing artillery, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. So, <laughs> But um, uh, so yeah, it was it was the most fun to write and it's been the most successful. So that's one reason I wanted to do a Super Nintendo book with that through that same publisher, mm. you know, with the big production values and everything. I hope the book sells well because I think the Super NES has a very big fan base. Um, um, I, I think, think it. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping it will. I mean, th- I mean, like this console's fan base seems to be seems to be seems to be a lot quieter than other consoles for one reason or, or another. But I know there's a lot of fans out there uh, 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 out there the system so. Um, I think maybe because, you know, it, the system the system didn't have the controversy that many other systems did. It didn't have the um, uh, it had a pretty long life with a lot of games. I think also that's another reason for it. Um, it just it's a very it's a very kind of kind of in the back uh, system as far as it's, as far as it's as far as it's a uh, 
far as far as far as just a, a nostalgia factor and library goes, I think. Um, so let's really call it a let's call it a mature, refined system as opposed to the you know wilder, wilder and wackier any world of the NES. <laughs> uh, I thought there were a lot of wild and wacky games that came up with the system still. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's but, true. Yeah, but but yeah, I see what you I mean. You know, you've got people that will talk about the NES and the Atari 2600 and even, like, the Dreamcast and stuff and just go insane. And then the people love the Super Nintendo, but I know what you mean. It, it's That just – maybe it doesn't have as many outspoken uh, fans or something. I don't know. I mean, it's still board, very, yeah. very, very popular. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely so. It just doesn't have the quite the vociferous uh, fans that, that some of the other cult – you know, some of the more – I don't know. Yeah. Hardcore. I don't know. I, I get what you're saying, though, just with the hardcore fans. Yeah, I would I would love Nintendo to come out with a like a, um, uh, uh, like a mini Super NES uh, console. Like, um, because I you know, there's, that's, well. that's the rumor. There's a rumor. Now, I don't know if that rumor is has any substantiation. Oh, yeah, of at course. All, but <laughs> I, I think, yeah, it's just I think it's probably wishful thinking, but they should as well as yeah. the NES Classic Soul. So, so just out of curiosity, uh, thinking about like you know like niches, niches and needs and needs and needs and needs that exist uh, that exist in the um, that exist in the um, uh, the gaming the gaming library and gaming history as it is. Uh, going back to that point for a second, um, have you have you ever given any thought or have or, or, or possibly have any interest in some at some point down the line, maybe years from now, but um, <laughs> uh, maybe like doing uh, doing. Any, uh, do any books on classic, uh, on classic handheld systems because those don't get a lot of love either. Yeah, just it, the the access to them become, would be kind of difficult, you know. Yeah, just outside of emulation, uh, emulation, right. uh, the Game Boy is the easiest one to get a hold of, of course. But then, of course, yeah. you, you get the problems the Microvision is not holding up very well, and the um, mm-hmm. uh, and like the uh, the Game Gears all need recapping, it seems, and uh, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, there's very little out there uh, on those systems, so I think it would be yeah. great to have something out there on it. Well, hopefully, somebody will cover them someday. <laughs> It may not be me, but hopefully somebody will. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, um, 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 at least like this is the last question question I was thinking of beforehand. But uh, if George has anything else to ask, um, uh, um, no. uh, like in a moment, um, there there definitely are def- there definitely more gaming books coming out these days uh, as opposed to mm-hmm. even just like five years ago. I think I'm very happy yeah. to see I'm very happy to see that the the marketplace for this has uh, has expanded a bit. Probably because I get I, I think it's. Partly because I think that gamers are getting older, um, just like you know, mm-hmm. the nostalgia is kicking in more, so it's more interested, yeah. in, 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 more interested in reading and writing and reading about this kind of stuff. Um, do you think the marketplace has gotten saturated to the point where somebody who's interested in possibly jumping, jumping in, uh, jumping in and, and trying their hand at doing uh, articles or a book on classic systems can still can still carve out a niche for themselves? I mean, like, would you have any oh. advice for anybody trying to maybe think? Um, who- oh yeah, there's there's plenty of room. I mean, if you look at the film industry, I, I use these examples all the time. If you look at film, sports, t- television, other other uh, uh, entertainment mediums. I mean, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of books for all that stuff, covering every little thing. So, I think there's plenty of room for for more books and articles. I mean, you could you could have biographies on specific superstar programmers. Um, you could have a book about uh, different composers. You could have a book on the Dreamcast. You know, a thorough book on the. You know, there's. I think there's still a lot of poss- possibilities. I, I think we're 
not even close to a saturation point. Self-publishing also seems to have gotten like a lot better these days too, which makes it possible for somebody to be able to release a book like a small print run, like for example. Yeah, there's, it's it's real easy to self-publish, especially through Amazon Create Space. And uh, oh man, you don't even know all the stuff that people release on there. <laughs> well, it's it. You definitely have to you definitely have to weed out some of the junk. Yeah. You know, and, and most most books you can you know look through the first few pages on Amazon and kind of give you an idea if it's going to be quality or not. So one of my favorites hopefully... is Time Pimp. <laughs> Time Pimp. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> Do I even like, want to know? <laughs> then we'll talk about it later. <laughs> well, one one trap people could fall into is you know just buying a book because it's cheap or because it's you right. know has the word Atari or Nintendo in the title. Oh yeah. But, you know take. Yeah. Take a little time to research, you know, read the first few pages, read some reviews, see what people are saying about it before you plunk down your hard-earned money. Mm. Yeah. There, there are just quickie, what, you know, cash grabs or whatever. Oh, yeah. And there's, there's not, it's really hard to write a book that's going to be a cash grab because, you know, it takes a lot of time to write a book, but, but there are people that just try to crank something out quick to, to get it out there on the market to try to get some attention or some easy money, but, uh, you know, just do a little research, and you can figure out which books are worth buying. But yeah, I'd, I would definitely re- recommend Leonard Herman's uh, Phoenix Four. That's excellent. Yeah, and great book. Pat, like I'm really enjoying it like, so far because I've read his earlier editions too. So yeah, and Pat Pat Contry's Ultimate Nintendo. That's a great book. And uh, uh, let's see, uh, if you're a Sega Genesis fan, Ken Horowitz put out Playing at the Next Level. That's a good uh, book about some pretty historical. Uh, you know some of the key Genesis titles right. and so that's a pretty good book and uh, Michael Thomason came out with a, a really fun book called Downright Bizarre Games I've video not, games that cross the line yeah I've, I've heard of that one but again not picked it up yet uh, that definitely yeah it's a little pricey it's $40 yeah. for kind of a small soft cover yeah but it is it is full color and yep. it, it's it's a lot of fun maybe you could get the di- I don't know if there's a digital version or not but uh but that might be an option. But, one but other, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, like one other classic video game book I really enjoy. Uh, it's dated now a bit, um, but and it does have its problems. Like I will admit that. But um, I don't think it's kind of an enjoyable, quick, uh, flavor on a book. book that kind of covers the overall history, history of the industry, kind of like, kind of like how like you know Phoenix does. Um, I still really enjoy reading like you, you know, uh, uh, Stephen McKen's like Ultimate History of Video Games, like 2001. Oh yeah. Um, the interviews, the interview is the best part of that book because he's. Yeah. Great interview seg- uh, segments in there. Um, it does have its, it does have some problems. It does have some errors, but just for a mm-hmm. quick, but for a quick, easy, easy to read uh, because yeah. because not quite as it, it, it's not quite as meaty as Phoenix, which is both. But I mean in a good way because like you know it's a bit easier to, to you know, it's a bit easier to plow through and just you know, yeah these... and it's it's written in a more readable style. Right. Phoenix yeah. is like a, a textbook almost. And, it is uh, now. The earlier versions weren't like that too mm-hmm. much, but you know this one's definitely more of a textbook feel to it. But but uh, yeah yeah they're both great books. Well, I think the I think Stephen Kent's book is probably I think it's the best-selling nonfiction video game book of all time, like video game history book of all time, I believe. Huh. Well, I believe that, yeah, because it's been out for a yeah. while. So, but. oh, another one I like a lot is the Art of Atari. Of course, that's been yeah. getting a lot of attention, yeah. but that, that's a lot of fun. Yes, it is. Just like you know, the pictures alone make that book like uh, 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 worth reading. It's just like oh yeah, and the unreleased art and stuff, yeah. really cool. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, I'm def- I'm definitely definitely very happy that 
I'm very happy this is coming out, and I'm very happy that you're covering it because you know there's not. Um, you, you're definitely you're definitely one of my favorite uh, video game uh, authors. Uh, uh, oh, like, thank you, uh, I appreciate that. But like out there, like you know, people like you know, like yeah, yeah, people up there of like you know, like uh, like Leonard Herman and like you know, like um, um, oh, uh, I can't, oh, I can't, uh, oh, um, you know, some other people. Um, I, I, I have a guy in mind, but I can't think of his last name right now, so I won't even try. But, uh, but you remember uh, the book? Um, um, no. <laughs> it'll come to you. It'll come to you when the podcast is over, right? Yeah, I'm sure it will. <laughs> oh, of but, course, uh, that's how it always yeah, works. So, but yeah, so I mean, I probably would pick it up and read it anyway. But you know, the fact that you're actually coming out with it definitely. It definitely puts it like I'm like you, you must buy this as soon as it comes out. So. Oh, but, thank uh, you. I appreciate that. Um, maybe we can have you back in the podcast podcast in a year or so, uh, like the books like actually out. Um, yeah, I'd love to talk about it once it comes out. That'd yeah. be awesome. But, uh, uh, George, you have anything else you want to ask him generally, generally, generally before we get to like into more like you know like specific stuff? How do your books smell? <laughs> <laughs> they smell like warm fat. <laughs> oh, no! Perfect. I don't even know. What, I don't even know what that means. No, I don't either. <laughs> they have, I'll put it. There, they have that new book smell. Ooh, yeah! That's another reason to buy them. Yeah, sexy, huh? <laughs> uh, but, um, so, um, yeah. So, uh, uh, awesome. So, um, just getting into a little bit more uh, general, general Super NES stuff here. Uh, I guess. Obviously, obviously, you have to have you have to have some affection for the system, like you wouldn't want to be writing about it. So, um, I'm curious to hear about your history, your history of the system uh, when you first pick one up, uh, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so um, I remember I was working at Lone Star Comics in 1989, and I remember when the Sega Genesis came out, and it was really exciting, and I kept hearing about how awesome. Uh, uh, what's the early game where you turn into Altered Beast? Altered I remember Beast, hearing yeah, about Altered a, Beast. Yep, that was a packing game. Well, then, yeah, yeah, and then when Sonic the Hedgehog came out, that was that that cemented it. I had to get a Sega Genesis, so I already had a Sega Genesis. So I had that. Already had NES, had Atari Twenty Six Hundred. You know, had ColecoVision, had all these old systems. And then when the Super Nintendo came along, it's like, well, that's awesome, but I don't really need that. I've got plenty of console. You know, I have plenty of games to keep me busy. Thought I might pick one up eventually, but then I did when the the first price dropped. Basically, because I rarely buy a system when it's brand new. I feel like I have to. I need a. I need to get some kind of. I kind of do this. I think my dad. This is this is my dad and me. You know, being frugal and everything. <laughs> I have to. I have to have an angle. You know. So I think when they. I don't even remember what it was, but the first price drop with the Super Nintendo, I picked one up. Well, the original and, uh, price just, was two hundred dollars. I know because uh-huh. I know because I, I, I know that because I'm like you in a lot of ways. Uh, I usually mm-hmm. I'm very frugal. I almost never pick a system up until it's been out for at least a year. But the Super yeah. NES, the Super NES is one of the most two systems I did pick up and was somewhat new because I got that system for Christmas for Christmas '91. when it only had been out for about five months at that point, and I and 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 the store and the store was selling it with the store was selling it the store was selling it at discount. 180 so um, that's really really cheap yeah. <laughs> if you think about the history of consoles yeah i mean the atari 2600 was 250 dollars and that was 1977 right. so i think the first price drop probably happened in 93 when it uh, 93 when it came down to, when it came down to 150 i believe that's when i got mine yeah, yeah so it, it had been out a couple years but I, of course i love super mario world yeah, and, that was the back uh, in the time yep so yeah but, uh, so great yeah. and uh, just a lot of really great i mean 
Super Castlevania, of course, the, the big Contra 3, you know, the, the big titles I just absolutely love for that system. You know, just sort of in NES games, but, but beefed up and, you know, louder stereo type sound yeah. and, you know, just bigger sprites and whatnot. And Plus, by 93, you know, the console definitely had hidden strides and there had strides and there were some really awesome games that come out by that point. Like, you know, that was... Mm-hmm. Uh, Super, uh, um, uh, Super, uh, Super Metroid wasn't out yet, but Street Fighter 2 uh, they come out already, and that was just the killer oh, yeah. the system. So, but well, it's funny. Um, like Street Fighter 2 Turbo, my wife and I played the heck out of that game. We got really, in, I mean, we got to where we had to quit playing it because it got so competitive. <laughs> <laughs> we would. I got to the point where she, you know it would get tense where we just would actually fight about it in real life <laughs> not just on the screen and so uh we uh transitioned uh you know a year or two later to donkey kong country i think that was off the top of my head that was 94 when yeah. it came out yeah, and, 94. Um, yeah and so a game that we could actually cooperate and play together so that yeah. so like she she likes to joke that donkey kong country saved our marriage <laughs> so but yeah but yeah big fan of the super nes obviously just uh Great system with just gorgeous graphics. Now, some of the slowdown concerned me early on, like with uh, Super R-Type. Yes. I mean, that was yeah. that was where I was like, okay, great. So every game is going to be, that that's going to require some kind of, you know, people were saying, oh, the Sega Genesis, you know, it's, it's fast and all this stuff. But luckily, the programmers, uh, I guess, figured out the Super Nintendo and later games were didn't have as much slowdown. And it's Definitely, that system yeah. could have fast games, right. too, so... Yep, but definitely. yeah, that was that was definitely a sticking point early. People, everybody was worried about the slowdown. If, if that would be able, you know, future games. That didn't be bother like me that. too much, mostly because of the fact that you know, by I, I you know, like by already by that time, I already I already pretty much established pretty much established myself as being like a, a big fan of like uh, adventure games and RPGs, the type of the, the, uh, uh-huh. the, the type of games the system really really like really built for, and the type of the games that shine on the system. So the mm-hmm. fact that so the fact that it's so a processor didn't really bother me all that much. And Super Mario World was great. Uh, I, oh, I, yeah. I, I didn't see any slowdown or anything on that. Just like that game. So yeah, yeah. Like for a launch game that perfect, it was oh, very impressive. But um, Yeah, it's too bad they didn't follow suit with uh, Super Mario launch uh, games for some of their other consoles. You know, that would have, yeah. <laughs> like, say, the Switch. Right. You know? Or the Wii U. Right. That would have been nice. <laughs> well, we are going to be covering Donkey Kong Country uh, in this episode. Mm-hmm. I don't think I, I, I don't think we mentioned that earlier, but um, we are, <laughs> we are, yes. Oh man, I played but, Seven Saga again. <laughs> um, but before we get into it, I, I get to it. I, um, I was just curious um, if you don't want to spoil anything at this point, Brett. I do understand, but uh, I am curious to hear. I am curious to hear in doing your research for the system uh, what games you what games you didn't know about that you found you like really enjoyed um, and, and have become favorites of yours ooh uh hmm let me think a minute it's kind of uh let's see it's a little bit of a blur at this point <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've playing so many games and so many uh, <laughs> yeah um, I totally understand <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah, I mean, there's so many games I love. Like, I, right now, what's coming into mind is just the one I played all along, like the Earthworm Gems and, and all that stuff. I'm thinking of all the ones that I've I've, I've really enjoyed playing all along. Um, let's see. Uh, 
some of the fighting games, like the some of the side like uh, some of the side scrolling combat games, have uh, like the Batman, uh, Batman Forever, I think it was. Yeah, Batman Returns we already covered in the uh, in the podcast earlier, uh, and that's a great game. Yeah. But, yeah, Batman Returns. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely understand that because you know the you know this is this the system the system's prime years were during the were during the the prime years were during the whole Street Fighter craze when, when fighting games like were so popular. So there were a ton mm-hmm. of fighting games that came out with the system, uh, and, and a lot of them got missed. Uh, some of them were very good, some of them not so good. George and I just Street recently, Combat. Yeah, George and I recently covered Street, Street, Street Combat and what a turn. Or is it Combat Street? I keep forgetting. <laughs> Street Combat. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I, that's memory serves that one. You know, it's a good game as Judge Dredd. Platform shooter. I've not played that one. I'll check it out. Yeah, surprisingly good. That's a good. uh, That's a good example of a of a dark horse of a hidden gem. Yeah, interesting. Judge Dread, because you think, okay, movie title, that's going to be crappy, (laughs) Uh, but it's actually very good. Good, good, good action. I was a fan of the comic action pack game. Yeah, I was a fan of the comic as a kid, and the movies, and the movies, and the movie is not horrible. I actually, I actually enjoy that. So yeah, it's okay. It's watchable. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Sylvester Stallone hams it up, like, pretty well. So, like, it's, it's, it's cheesy, but it's fun. So, but... Oh, uh, Kirby, Kirby's Dream Course is cool. That's a good, uh, you know, Kirby, you think of the platforming games, but the little miniature golf Kirby's Dream oh, Course. Oh, yeah, that's a cool right, game. right, right, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a fun little game. Yeah. But, yeah, didn't he have a pinball game for the system, too, I think? But, or maybe that's for the Game Boy. I'm trying to remember. I, I, I think that was the Game Boy. The game Boy, yeah, that's, right. Off the top but, of my head. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, um, I mean, yeah, so, like, the, the underrated gems of the system are definitely are definitely fun to talk about, and I'm definitely looking forward to, 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 looking forward to reading those like, in your upcoming book. But, um, but then again, there's also nothing wrong with the popular games, and the popular, the popular games, like, for a reason. I mean, uh, Donkey Kong Country was, this, uh, was, the, was the second best-selling Super NES game of all time. Uh, with nine million yeah. copies, like uh, nine million copies, like worldwide. So uh, right. you're talking, you're talking the big hitters. You can't get much bigger than this one. But <laughs> well, what's good, Donkey Kong Country? What's so cool about it is you can have a like a, a very experienced player play with maybe their their kid mm-hmm. or maybe their parent that's better than them, <laughs> you know. But you can have one player that's very experienced and really good at games play with a weaker player, and then you can just. You know, give high five when you want the stronger player to go through a really difficult area. Speaking about difficulty, then, one of the things I found out when researching research, I found out just like researching this game is that the original build of the game that Rare had shown Nintendo was much harder than the released version. Nintendo asked them asked them to make it easier because they wanted the game to have more uh, family appeal to it and to make it more accessible to gamers of all levels. So, and this game is still pretty tough. So I can just imagine how difficult the original version was. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. Oh. So, good move on Nintendo's part, asking them to tone it down some. <laughs> well, you know, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Country 3, I think, is more difficult than the it, first it one. It is, yes. I definitely yeah. I cover that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're gonna, well, we're going to talk about the series a little a series, a, the series a, you know, a little bit here uh, uh, later okay. on as well. But um, for the original game, um, obviously, as I said, it was developed... I developed by Rare, uh, the well-known, mm-hmm. the well-known British-based video game company. Um, uh, uh, came out 
and this is kind of surprising. Uh, almost simultaneous worldwide release. Uh, back in uh, back in back in the nineties, this didn't happen very often. Nowadays, it's very oh. common. But to, uh, yeah. but I think because maybe because of the fact that Nintendo was pushing the game so much, and also because of the fact that there wasn't a lot of text in the games, so kind of uh, that kind of made it uh, uh, made it easier to translate and whatnot. But uh, yeah, um, November twenty first, North America. November twenty fourth, Europe, and November twenty sixth, Japan. Uh, in 1994, so within like five days, got worldwide release. So that's uh, hmm. yeah. So that's so like that's pretty cool. Um, uh, we don't we we probably don't need to talk about Rare too much. I think most people listening to this podcast know about the company. Um, mm-hmm. uh, lo- long history uh of the company working Nintendo um uh on games up to this point. Uh, originally. Originally established in 1985, like in England, as I said, uh, they did a lot of work, uh, a lot of work in the NES days, uh, porting games to the system, um, you know, converting, uh, converting like computer games, um, um, uh, like for example, like you know, like uh, pirates and like sound service were uh, like rare ports, for example. Um, which most people, which most people don't realize that those games, how much porting uh, that Rare did for the NES, like in those days, uh, that was their bread and butter, uh, like for them for a long time, uh, before they eventually hmm. started to uh, mm-hmm. publish their own games. Um, right. But by Super NES days, um, they didn't do too much for 16-bit systems uh, because. Yeah, because the NES was still doing quite well during this time period, and and Rare was focusing more upon more upon trying to develop their technology uh, technology and trying to do something uh, more impressive uh, uh, above the cut, which is kind of how Donkey Kong Country that came along because they showed Nintendo a prototype of what they were doing with sort of doing were doing were doing with sort of do silicon graphic uh, graphic hardware and, and, and chips and whatnot. Nintendo was pressed enough that they gave permission permission for Rare to make to make something Donkey Kong license, which Nintendo tends to had up to that point very jealously guarded and protected. So, um, so yeah, Donkey Kong definitely, Donkey Kong Country was definitely graphically impressive when it came out. I mean, I was in college when this game came out, and I remember Nintendo, Nintendo did a huge marketing push like for this game, and I remember the commercials that came out to the, the commercials that came out for this game when it got released in the fall of 94. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and like seeing that commercial come on in the shared dorm room, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, uh, the dorm lounge, like we watch TV or movies or whatnot. It, yeah, it was just jaw dropping to see this game in action because you're like, holy crap, is this going to do that? So it's like, oh, absolutely, it looked next gen. I mean, yeah. the PlayStation, the PlayStation uh, One was, you know, soon to be was going to be released in America the ne- late next or the next year, right. September yep. of '95, yeah. and it released December of '94. So it basically came out the same year that PlayStation did, right? And uh, a little before it, and. It looked like a game for a next-gen system. Absolutely, it 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 absolutely blew my mind how good that game looked, and it and it it breathed life into the it, it I think it extended the life of the Super Nintendo for two or three more years. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like you know, like uh, you know, this is this, this, uh, I wouldn't call this a late Super NES game. Uh, um, uh, because the system the, the system had been out three years at this point, but the system continued to get support uh, for three more years after after this. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like a mid-tier game, but definitely. This this is this this is yeah say it kept it going strong exactly I'll I mean, put like, it that you know, way. This is, yeah this is the start yeah this was the start of what I considered to be the second tier games of the system uh, games mm-hmm. like you know like uh, Chrono Trigger and like you know Super Mario RPG that came out yeah uh, like years after right. this were definitely were de- were definitely next generation generation games on the Super NES so yeah. it definitely did help extend the 
uh, in the cause of life, and definitely, um, and definitely, and, and definitely established. I mean, Rare was probably known at this point, but this is, uh, but this is again the Rare put Rare on the map. That, that really mm-hmm. elevated them to one of the elite game developers, uh, which they held on to quite uh, for quite a while, and, and which was the and which is the reason that ultimately ultimately Rare got bought by Microsoft in 2002. Um, mm. So, but uh, did you did you buy this game when it first came out, or did you pick it up later? I got it uh, when I saw it. So I bought it not long after it came on sale. Um, I mean, when it was brand new, I didn't get it, but I got it. It seems like uh, I don't remember how many weeks or months after it came out. Somebody ran it on sale for like thirty-eight dollars. Wow. I remember that. And uh, yeah, somebody had a real, really good sale on it. Like, just one of the they would do that every once in a while, just like uh, just to bring people into the stores overall, you know. And they would run an ad in the paper or whatever. And I rushed out and got it. You know the, what they'll what these stores will do is run a game. You know, announce a game for being well under. You know, retail price, but only have a few of them out. You know, and then <laughs> yeah, and then put them away until the sale's over, and then bring them. But you know, just get people in the store. But anyway, I got it for like thirty-eight dollars and something. So, um, so I got it. Yeah, I got it uh, maybe a few months after it came out. Nice price, yeah. But uh, yeah, um, I never owned this game, but I did uh, rent it, and I certainly borrowed it from friends. Uh, uh, so I certainly mm-hmm. you know, played it. I played it for a while after I beat it. Um, and George, did, and George, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You didn't have any history of this game until you started playing it. I like this podcast episode, right? Yeah, not really. But uh, I, uh, uh, it was, it was, it was interesting taking a look at it, though. <laughs> uh, well, it's uh, I'm, I love this game. Played the heck out of it. Played with my wife. Played with my kids. I beat it a couple times, but I never. I love the game, but I never got so fanatical about it that I tried to find everything. I never tried to spell out Kong in every script section. I never, <laughs> I never tried to get a hundred percent. That was just too much. I never either. I, I think I got like ninety percent. Uh, wow, that's pretty good. Too, so, but uh, that's not bad. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, I, I guess the main reason I didn't buy this game is because um, George and I, George and I talked about this recently, like in his last episode of the PlayStation Power. Um, I was a huge, um, I was a huge fan of platformers as a kid because, of course, I grew up. Like I said earlier, the NES was my prime system as a kid, so and he has a ton of great platformers on it. Um, but by this point, I already, but by this point, '94, I was in college already. You know, I was already um, uh, my gaming tastes had—I don't want to say matured, but they, but, uh, but they simply evolved to where I was enjoying uh, spending most of my time playing simulations or RPGs or adventure games. And like, you know, I was starting to fall out of favor platformers by, uh, platformers by this point. And I think this game, this game definitely has enough charm and appeal to, to that. I wanted to play it and I definitely did enjoy playing it back then. But you know, I, mm-hmm. this was like borderline. This is really kind of the, this is really kind of the period where I started really starting falling out of favor platformers just because I thought that they, um, they were all tiered to me by, by this point. I mean, like, <laughs> Uh, yeah, they definitely saturated the market, and they did—they've done so many. You know, they got a little redundant yeah. after a while, I guess, with all the cute characters, it's just you know, the mascots, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. It, it just seems credit that I found the game as fun as I did because of the great graphics mm-hmm. and because of the Donkey Kong mechanics present in it and the other like uh, great gameplay options. But still, I was like, I, yeah, this is, yeah, this is fun, but not worth buying it. The replay value, uh, the replay value, needs to be limited. Now, as you mentioned, well, the the graphics were groundbreaking, yeah. but the gameplay wasn't necessarily groundbreaking. No, it was not fun. Really. The controls yeah. were great and stuff, but you you still climb vines. Right. You still you know you did a lot of the things that people have been doing in platformers for years. It just did it well. Now I've experienced playing this playing 
playing this two-player. I, I I do agree with you 100% that I that I think that I think if you have somebody to play this game against, it definitely it definitely enhances it, de- it enhances its gameplay value by a thousand percent. Yeah, and and like I said, it's I mean for two really skilled game players, they may want to play it by themselves just so they can be playing the whole time. But it's the perfect game for like a parent and a kid or or a, a, someone and a spouse that's maybe not as good at games or something, just so you can. Um, like a, so, a weaker player can actually beat the game because the better player plays the harder parts, you know. Yeah. And uh, so it's the perfect game for for two mismatched players that, but but that still want to play something together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, like you know, the love and care that Rare put in this game definitely shows because, like you know, like Rare oh, spent yeah. uh, Rare spent eighteen months developing this game with a team like you know twelve people, um, mm-hmm. and like you know, uh, and, and like. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, Nintendo Nintendo did give them some uh, advice and guidance on it. Uh, like you know, um, um, actually, like you know, like Shigeru uh, Miyamoto, uh, the creator of Donkey Kong, uh-huh. uh, didn't have too much. Uh, did, uh, did, he didn't have too much input. Like, they put like the game. He did suggest a couple things, um, but you know, like most of his input was like like very very limited. Um, so this is just mostly. Like mostly like Rare's baby, as far as as far as the actual mm-hmm. the actual game itself uh, went. But uh, is 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 eighteen months a long time for this this era? Yes, it is because like uh, the average Brett may know a, um, uh, a little bit more specifics than I do, but from my but from my understanding during the Super NES Genesis time period, the the, the average development time for a game was like six to twelve months. Was how oh. six to twelve months? Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. but so but uh, um. So I mean, like, uh, yeah, and I think most of that time was probably on the graphics, uh, just because, because, uh, yeah, because, yeah, because, like, like you mentioned earlier, Brett, the game itself is pretty basic as far as as far as the actual gameplay goes. It's just a typical platformer yeah. game. I mean, there's it's big. There's forty levels of it. Uh, are forty levels in it? Um, mm-hmm. So, but they. Um, and it's got some unusual bonus rounds that are a lot of fun. Yeah, the bonus you know, rounds. The bonus rounds. The bonus rounds are definitely uh, are definitely interesting. My favorite is the is the ostrich one flying through where you can go through oh, and get so three difficult. bananas. You know, that's, <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> I can get over four hundred, so you get four extra lives that yeah. way. Yeah, uh, I do. I do appreciate the fact that the game starts with six lives. I think that's great. <laughs> well, uh, what I, one thing I like is that you know you can, you can advance really far into the game, but if you run ro- low on lives, you can go back to the first level because it's easy to collect a bunch of lives in the first level. Yes, it is. And yeah, uh, go so. back and collect a bunch. You know what we'll do? You know we'll get far into the game. If you run low, you can go back and like get twenty more lives. You know and no. carry them forward. Um, I do love the fact there's two playable characters like in the game, and I think those two characters actually actually play different from one another, which is different from many mm-hmm. other games. Yeah, the strengths and weaknesses, yep. it's it's great. Yep. Um, you can either play I really wish I knew. Yeah, I wish I knew the like speed running stuff because like Diddy is so overused in the in the speed runs well, for, that for good the game. Players, good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say experienced players prefer Diddy because Diddy's faster, he's faster and quicker, so he's easier to avoid damage. Um, right, but he also does that 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 roll that cartwheel thing, yes. which is mm-hmm. pretty cool. But Donkey Kong yeah, is definitely attack. yeah, but Donkey Kong I think yeah. is definitely is definitely easier is definitely the better the two, better two characters to play if like, you're new to the game because he's like stronger and tougher. Um, yeah, there's certain there's certain enemies he can kill that uh, Diddy can't. Right, right, you'll just bounce off their heads and they'll. Right. It'll yeah. be fine. So um, I've uh, I've learned that the hard way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yay. 
interesting, like you know, small bit of uh, tri- trivia here. This is only mentioned in the manual, as far as, uh, like in the manual. But uh, um, uh, Donkey Kong in this game, uh, uh, Donkey Kong in the game, like is the son, like is the son of Cranky Kong, and Cranky Kong is the original Kong from the Donkey Kong, uh, uh, Donkey, uh, Donkey Kong like arcade games. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, yeah, that's that's yeah, because people think Donkey Kong that you control is supposed to be Donkey Kong from the arcade. Nope, it's not. It's a son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah, but he, but but, yeah. but it's not Donkey Kong Junior. No, it's <laughs> not. Know? So, but uh, yeah. Are you sure about that? It, it's a little bit confusing, but that's. Did anybody do a but, DNA test? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, like you know. Um, like I said, the, the the game the game itself is basically platforming, but there are but like I said, there are a lot of things that they did add and add to the game to try to make it stand out. Um, like, uh, like I said, for example, the hundred percent completion. If they want to be completionist, you can go for go for it, but it's not necessary. Uh, the two different characters are also are also are also like another factor of that. Another one I appreciate, um, like the animal helpers. That's cool. Um, uh, you know, um, the animal, the uh, the animal, the, the 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 animal helpers are 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 designed to appear in certain levels where they're where they're most needed and helpful, and it's really cool. Yeah, they're fun to control. Yeah. I like I like doing the rhinoceros and 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 pounding through the like going through the cave. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. that is great. Yeah, and pushing on the fast thing. when you're uh, running fast and stuff. That's a lot of fun. Yep, there's the rhino, the ostrich, the swordfish, the frog, and the parrots. Not a big fan of the frog. Yeah, he's yeah. been hard to control. Yeah. Like the frog suit in Super Mario Brothers. Well, Three. no, that was easier. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was easy in water, yeah, but... Yeah. Uh, the mask screen is also a nice touch. Um, they took that from Super Mario World, I think. Um, just like, you know, being able to track your progress, uh, your progress of picking the next level you want to play. I think you mean Super Mario Brothers 3. Uh, <laughs> Super Mario Bros. 3 had it first. I think that yes. the, the map, the map screen in Country reminds me more about the one from Mario World, though. No, I'm making a joke. <laughs> I, no, I agree with you. Uh, I was just making a dumb joke. Uh, so, uh, Keep trying. No, I'm kidding. Whoa. <laughs> just kidding. I quit podcasting. Uh, no, uh, no, no. Come back. No, come back. I, uh, the map was pretty detailed. I like how... Everything in the game was so detailed; it was just unreal. Yes, looking at this mm-hmm. game and thinking that this was on the SNES. Yeah, um, amazing. I mean, I you know they're like like basically pre-generated stuff, but still, uh, games games from the SNES are so different. You know, because nowadays, if something's pre-rendered, it's just like a video or something, which we're doing less of. But back then, to have something look like that is just amazing across the board. Right. Um, I <laughs> I really did not like playing this game too much. <laughs> I, my favorite part was, like, watching other people play it because I'm terrible at platformers. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I was, I was getting pretty frustrated with this game. But uh, the more I went on, the more I liked playing it. But I'm still at that point where it's just like, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I really enjoyed listening and looking at the game. The music, uh, especially, is very nice. Yeah, yeah. I was going to comment on the music next. The music, the music, I think, is a very good track. It's not. I wouldn't call it. I personally, I personally, would like to place it in my top ten for, 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 for the system. But the music's very good and it's very appropriate for the game. I mean, like you know, um, the, uh, the the music, the music, the music matches the stage like so well. 
Yeah, it's pretty memorable music. I like it. But, yeah. I mean, and when you get good at the game, um, it's not that long. There, there, there are plenty of runs on YouTube of people getting 100% of the game in like under two hours. So, mm. uh, I mean, I want but you know, I yes. think the average game are probably, the average game will probably take eh, maybe four or five hours to get through the game probably. So, but, uh, you know, not that long. Pretty good for platformer. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many levels in the game. Like I said, 40 levels. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. pretty like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty like meaty game, and because that especially helped, on top of the whole secrets thing. Yes, yep. I was gonna say, oh, um, man. you can play it however you want to. If you want to be a completionist and try to get 100, percent go for it. But if you just want to go through the game, nothing's uh, nothing stopping you from that either. So, but uh, can can I complete the game in a pretty pink dress? <laughs> Maybe do graphic you, you know, <laughs> We don't we don't judge we don't judge here. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, I would never you know, do that. <laughs> um, yeah, and even the plot of the game is kind of fun, as silly as it is. I mean, like, you know, typical Nintendo mm-hmm. stuff, like, you know, just that, right. just like, you know, Donkey Kong has his banana horde suddenly, suddenly stolen, like, one day, and he goes after it, uh, by a gang, um, like, you know, King Ruin is crumbling, so he just goes off to get it back. I mean, just, like, simple, simple, like, simple platformer stuff, and just, like, and just definitely feel that Nintendo, Nintendo cuteness and charm, the charm, the you know they're known for like their games. Right. Yeah. Cool thing rule. Yeah. Who's actually a pretty that that that's a pretty tough boss battle at the end of the game too. I think. Um, we haven't talked about the difficulty yet. Uh, like we'll get there, but uh, but I think that that boss fight is definitely one of the hardest things of the game. It was really hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the difficulty of this game, I thought, is pretty good. I mean, it's still tough. I'm glad Nintendo told. I told her to tone down some, um, but uh, because you know, I can't imagine a young kid being able to get this game uh, because it's, because I think yeah, I think I think it's a pretty smooth difficulty level because sometimes yeah. you'll have to play the same level several times to beat it. Yeah. But you know, if you have if you're pretty you know decent at games, you can usually get through a level. But you might have to take a few times, which is you know pretty uh, pretty smooth. I thought there was when very... you told me. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, we, I was just going to say that when. You told me that the original version of the game was more difficult, and Nintendo asked them to tone it down. I was like, "Wait, what? This game already is pretty tough." But maybe I just, I'm just really bad at video games. Um. Yeah. Well, I played a lot I of platformers. I don't think it's that yeah. hard. I think it's, I, I, but I do think you do have, like the minecart. There, there are some parts yeah. like the minecart challenge, and then there's that one level where you have to turn the red and green lights on and off you know and time your jumps mm. just right so there's 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 some challenging parts that you'll oh, have to I'm replay a few times yeah i think i think yeah i think this game is moderately difficult for platformers it's certainly not the hardest platformer out there but it, mm-hmm. um but uh, it's not the easiest i think that there's no cheap deaths i thought i thought the game was fair and that yeah it never gets cheap you but on the other to... hand i think there are some stages stages that are brutal uh, brutal because they ask you to make a, partic- a, per- a perfectly timed jump or a perfectly timed move and if you don't get that down right forget about it so mm-hmm. i so i as i do so i as i do dislike that part of it but i will never be able to forget about it <laughs> for, fortunately the controls are up to the task the controls so are you've great got good, yes. uh, good controls for it oh yeah they're, yeah. they're what's really tight. frustrating is a game that requires time jumps and has sloppy controls yeah. that 
that's what pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very tight controls because you, it was like you said, a platformer really needs those like to do well, and there's no problem. Mm-hmm. There's no problem at all like of this. It just adds challenge to it. Right. <laughs> um, you press that jump button, and it doesn't, you know, it drops the input. Man, that just that just adds extra challenge. Um. So, uh, Brett, um, I'm, uh, I'm curious to I'm curious to hear you talk about multiplayer uh, uh, a little more because I have no experience experience like that game mode. Oh, you haven't played the two-player no, Donkey Kong Country? No, never had a chance to, unfortunately. Are we talking about competitive or cooperative? Uh, both. Well, it's 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 cooperative. Uh... Well, I mean, because there's two modes. There's there's the individual, and then there's the cooperative or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, the two-player, you're. Uh, I mean, you're only one person controls at the at at a time. And what you'll do is, okay, like let's say you're Donkey Kong and you're by yourself going through the game. Well, you can pick up a DK barrel and crack it open, and then uh, Diddy Kong will be there by your side. And then, uh, like if you get killed, or if you give your give Diddy a high five by pressing a button, the other player will be controlling Diddy Kong. Right. And so you work you work together to get through the levels by just sort of like doing it like tagging off you know if you just get tired if you just want to let the other person play or you get killed or something the other person takes over so you're not actually controlling uh the action at the exact same time you're uh it's sort of simultaneous alternating if that makes any sense right yeah um Mm. yeah uh there are uh there uh like george said there are two different multiplayer modes there's a competitive contest mode uh like in the cooperative team mode um, so you, uh, as you're talking about the team mode there, right? Yeah, that's what we. That's what I always play. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah, the competitive mode is just pretty much um, uh, the contest mode. It's just pretty much like uh, each player throws, like throws, like throws a different set of Kongs, and they take turns trying, to, uh, take turns trying to get through, uh, trying to get through each level um, as fast as possible. Um, oh, so, so. so it's like Super Mario Brothers three multiplayer. A little bit, yes. So um, <laughs> that sounds fun if both players are good at the game. It does. Yeah, yeah. They just want to see like who, uh, but who knows a little, but, but uh, who knows like, a bit better. But I, but uh, but I agree with Brett. I think that the uh, the team mode, like where the two players are cooperating, probably is the uh, probably the better of the two. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, but you could also be mean and kill yourself, and the person's like, "Oh, great! Now I need to <laughs> finish this terrible, yeah. terribly hard level." Yeah, you you could you could uh, sabotage each other, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes you inadvertently sabotage the other person, like oh, yeah. leave them hang, leave them hang them in a in a rough spot. <laughs> hmm. Um. So, um, we talked about this like a little bit earlier. Um. Um. Uh, I think this game is good for kids, but you know, I, I mean, I'd be interested to hear what you think about this, Brett, because you know, I, uh, because like I said, you know, I, I have no personal experience, personal experience with this. Um, I think, I think, um, um, I think young kids would probably have a hard time with this game, but I think older kids, maybe, maybe around like, I don't know, ten or so, probably like would be able to handle this game yeah, like on t- their own. Ten would be ten would be a, big, a really good uh, age for this game. If you've got like a six or seven year old, they would be better off playing it with a parent. Then the parent can let them go through some of the easy parts. Yeah. And uh, and then switch off when when it gets more difficult. Right. So um, yeah. So obviously, obviously, this game was a huge hit. Like I said, uh, it got rave reviews when it came out. Still gets rave reviews today. Um, 
there, there actually are there actually are a few people, however, who are very vocal in their dislike of this game. Um, yeah, I've heard I've heard some of that noise. You know, I've, a lot of people say it's one of their favorites, but you do you do it does have its detractors. The biggest sure. the biggest the biggest complaint I hear about this game is 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 this great graphics the graphics that we talked about earlier uh personally i personally i think i think those graphics are great i think they're work of art yeah. so they, they work very well but i've heard some people Ooh, complain art. yeah i've heard some people complain that it looks <laughs> I, I heard some people complain that the art style looks horrible to them or it's kind of like it's Wait, not, what? um um it's not aged very well it looks like you know clip art from phones um but mm. um so i think it's like i could i could see that but it's like you know I mean, the graphical style is not going to appeal to everybody. I can agree with that. I, I mean, like, personally... The, the complaints I hear about it are that it's just platforming without any revolutionary gameplay concepts. I don't I don't really hear anybody complaining about the graphics. Yeah, I, I think platforming has enough... Yeah, the platforming is basic platforming, yes, but I think but I think the game has enough, yeah. has enough interesting stuff with the platforming formula that's really worth checking out. Yeah, but, I agree. Wait, so the, the barrels weren't, like, a, some kind of, like, new thing? I think the barrels were used pretty well. The really added new gameplay to it. Well, the barrels shooting you out into uh, yeah, like that. I don't recall that in an earlier game. I mean, there, yeah. there's there's some novel novel elements in it. It's just some people thought maybe it was a little overrated. The game. I mean, it's mm. hard to say that. It, it's hard to find anybody that'll say I that it's that. a I, bad I, game yeah, unless right. they're just you know hating for hating's sake but uh <laughs> i know right some there, people, might, some people might have thought, thought, yeah some people i think thought it was a little overrated just because it got so much praise but but did have you know a lot of the staples of platforming well it just there's did a couple so well well there's a couple prominent retro podcasters i'm thinking about like right now um uh mm-hmm. who have who have been very vocal uh like in their stuff about them just like this game primarily because of the graphics um, just, uh, um, mm. but you know, but you know, I can see that the graphical style is very unique. Uh, there, there's nothing, there's nothing quite like this available, like available, like available, available 16-bit systems. Um, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic looking game. And one thing you've got to, I look at graphics the way I look at art. I mean, I think a game can look great even if the gra- like I think there's some gorgeous games from the late 70s and the 80s that maybe aren't all that technologically you know advanced but they still look nice yeah know. yeah but uh, even with newer games you could do the same thing yeah yeah but yeah you know I also really love the fact how this game kind of kicked off kicked off resurgence about Donkey Kong um, in, in period as a character because he had been pretty yeah, much yeah that was the first one in a long yeah, time yeah very long time Nintendo Nintendo hadn't done anything with him since Donkey Kong 3 uh, back in the arcades mm-hmm. like uh, like the '80s, and because of this game, if this game, if this game, if this game had not done very well, we wouldn't have gotten the great Donkey Kong Game Boy game, or like we wouldn't have gotten um, the, the uh, like we wouldn't have gotten Donkey Kong showing up, showing up in S D Four GameCube games and other stuff like that. So um, yeah, and those I my, with my daughter, I would play the Bongo games for the GameCube. Oh man, you know? those I actually had some fun with those just because I was playing with my kiddo. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, you know, we wouldn't have Donkey Kong um, as a playable character, like, in the Mario Kart games, for example. I mean, like, you know, this game... Or Mario Party. Yeah, or Mario Party. Yeah, also. So, this game definitely kicked off, kicked off, uh, kicked off a... Um, um, uh, resurgence, resurgence of for, popularity yeah. for the character, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I am thankful to it for that, so... Um, yeah, and this game, and this game, of course, spawned like spawned several sequels. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, Rare... 
since they had the formula down pat, uh, they were able to they were, they were able to get the sequels out in a pretty fast uh, fast period of time. Donkey um, Kong Country 2 came out a year later, uh, actually, uh, uh, late '95. Donkey Kong 3 in slightly '96. The fact they were able to crank those games out so fast is kind of impressive, but I guess it's because of that. They didn't really, they didn't really, they they really weren't all that different from Donkey Kong uh, uh, Country One, which I think is one reason they were able to get the games out so fast. It's also because, um, it's, and it's also, and it's also, it's it's also a complaint, a complaint I have about them because they're not really all that different. They're just kind of like more of the same. Yeah, the bigger, the big appeal with Donkey Kong Country Two was Dixie Kong spinning helicopter attack. Right. That was probably the biggest huh. difference between the two games. And that, yeah. that's a fun move, yeah. and it's cool to float through the air with that that maneuver yeah that 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 was probably the most distinctive thing but it it was more the same but in this case uh for me that wasn't bad oh yeah i enjoyed the first one so much yeah i I certainly i certainly am not going to fault rare nintendo for cranking you uh, for cranking it yeah. out, uh, because like you know, it... Cranky Konging out, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? But you know, there you go. There's a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first one in this entire podcast. That's right. I've been waiting. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't have as much fun playing two and three as it. Of course, I did the first one though, because I did rent those games also when they came out, and I'm like, eh, this is just more of the same. So it, 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 it's like it didn't really like appeal to me all that much. But I think I think as far as original trilogy is concerned, a number one's the best game. Yeah. And I, I'm not a huge fan of... I mean, I love all three, but I'd, if, if I had to pick one that was my least favorite, it would be the third one. Yeah. Um, it, it introduces yeah. like some non-linear elements to the overworld map, which I wasn't that thrilled with. Yeah. And, um, but they're, they're all good. They're all high-quality but uh, but I, the third one didn't endear me to it as much as the first two did. Speaking about high quality, uh, have either of you guys played the Donkey Kong Country port uh, that came on the Game Boy Color? Nope. But I, uh, I, I did. It's been a long time. I was very impressed by that. I mean, like, you know, I think that's probably... Yeah. They got that game ported perfectly. They even added on to it. Um, the game yeah, Boy to Color. squeeze it down into the Game Boy Color, that was pretty impressive. It was yeah. that game is the second most technologically impressive game on the Game Boy Color that I'm aware of. Uh, I think only Metal Gear Solid, uh, the Game Boy Color, is probably probably you push the hardware a bit more. But the fact that the uh, but the fact that the, the, the uh, but the fact that we get this game on the Game Boy Color and play look as good as it did is just simply mind blowing. Like it's a great yeah, great, yeah. great port of the game. No doubt. Um, no yeah. doubt, definitely a, a system squeezed just about everything you could out of that little system. Yeah, that came out two thousand. There was also 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 a, a straight port of this game uh, released in the Game Boy Advance back in two thousand three. Um, so you can also get in that format too if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, later games in the series, uh, Donkey Kong Country, uh, sorry, uh, Donkey Kong sixty four came out with Nintendo sixty four in nineteen ninety nine. Uh, one of the, uh, one of Rare's last uh, last uh, last games that they did with Nintendo. Um, yeah. I've not played this game. I've seen it in action before, and it looks like again more of the same. I think like you know, um, it's certainly it's st- different because it's 3D. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, it's true. But as far as the um, sorry, I should have said as far as the, as far as the gameplay itself goes, it's pretty much more of the same. It looks like so. Uh, not really. It's it's more of a search. It's more of a quest game. There's a lot of dead. You know, a lot of downtime in the game where you're searching for stuff, which you don't really get out of the out of the Super Nintendo ones. Right. Uh, it's more of a search, a quest, than at least compared to the 
the three for the Super NES. It does seem to, I didn't like it as I didn't like it as much. It, it does seem to show off the N sixty four abilities very well, though. Like I will give it that. Yeah, it's a it's a good looking game. It's just I don't like it as much as the Super Nintendo ones. Right. Which way do you have to hold the controller for that game? <laughs> just normal. <laughs> yeah. Do <laughs> uh, so um, and. Uh, and for a while, of course, that was the end of the series because, of course, like you said, Rare Rare, Rare got purchased by uh, Microsoft 2002, so it didn't seem like Ooh. so it didn't seem like we were going to get like any more games in the series uh, like for a while because of that. Um, and in fact, when the games did come back, it was a different company handling it now. Uh, Retro Studios uh, got the rights from Nintendo of like the Donkey Kong series. Uh, you probably know them best because they're Metroid Prime series. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they're the company that did those games. Um, and they also did some work on Mario Kart 7 as well. So that's re- um, so they came out with uh, two games in the series somewhat recently have come out like under their watch. Uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, uh, like um, uh, 2014, and before that there was Donkey Kong Country Returns uh, 2010, like for the Wii. Um, right. Yeah, those are those are both really solid, and you've definitely got more of the same, you know, compared to the Super Nintendo. Those are more similar to the Super Nintendo games than Donkey Kong 64 is. Yeah. Those are those are more similar because they're uh, they're they're more platforming than I mean Donkey Kong 64 has some similarities but but the two the, the Wii and the Wii U game are more similar. Well, I mean but they're I good. Think... They're good. They're they're hard. They're harder than like the first Donkey Kong Country. I think. I think the reason the reason why Donkey Kong 64 was what it is is because there's a third dimension to use now. So let's mm-hmm. use it. So right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I was gonna say Donkey Kong. Yeah, Donkey Kong. Yeah, Donkey Kong 64 got very mixed reviews. Some people, uh, some people love it. Find some people hate it. But the, well, it's still a super hot seller at shows and stuff. Yeah, Everybody's always looking for it still. Oh yeah. yeah. But the Wii and Wii U games got very high reviews. So. Oh, those are great. Yeah, yeah they're excellent. They're they're challenging though. They're not. They didn't. They didn't tone down the you know the difficulty. Well, by they're, now they're I guess they figure that you know gamers are gamers are probably the or gamers are probably like more. Uh, experienced, I guess. I guess the you know they expect they expect like harder games. So I think it's kind of why they wanted to like crank it up a bit, uh, like that reason. Well, they're they, yeah, they're they're they'll 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 challenge you. They're uh, <laughs> they're very a lot of fun though. I mean, yeah. they're they're not like impossible or anything, but they're right. they'll uh, you'll have to do the levels a few times, some of the levels a few times yep. before you can beat them, just like the earlier one. Yep. Donkey Kong Country is also available uh, for purchase like the virtual console. Um, I'll be going to not surprised. Yep, that way. So, um, and uh, as far as eBay goes, uh, we all know about the price spike oh, no. Super NES games are going through like right now. Um, mm-hmm. And this game, five hundred dollars. Actually, all things considered, uh, this game's not that bad. Uh, there's a huge, there's a huge, there's a huge range of prices uh, for this game. So if you want it cheap. You can't get it for cheap. You just have to be patient for it. But um, there's certainly there certainly are many copies available. There's 61 copies currently listed. 375 copies that I recently sold. Um, and here's that and here's that price range I was talking about. Uh, card only is sold and sold as cheap as 16 bucks. Oh. And it's okay. high forty three dollars. So, oh, so like I said, no, thank you. yeah, yeah, the price range, the price range. So if you, so if you, like if you want to be patient, uh, you can pick the game up for like uh, relatively cheap. Um, CIB is not that bad either. CIB pricing range uh, 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 range anywhere from thirty four to thirty four to sixty seven dollars. So yeah, I usually see Donkey Kong Country card only. I'll usually see it for 
you know, at a show, it'll be 20, 25 bucks, something Which like that. Which is a good price. Like, I pay that much money. To, yeah. Uh, Sure. I like this game, um, but uh, there was even there was even a sealed copy of this game, uh, a sealed copy of this game that sold recently, like an eBay for like an eBay for two hundred dollars. How mm, much? Uh, two hundred. Uh, okay. So, but yeah, close yeah. enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, there are there are also a bunch of uh, a bunch of a uh, uh, glitches glitches and secrets like in this game as well. Uh, uh, I'll just cover the more interesting highlights. The highlights here. Um, there's there's a way to be able to do uh, free switching, so a free, a free switching between two players, um, like in the like multiplayer modes, like you want to, like a code. Uh, there's there's music test available in the game. You can also you can also start the game with 50 lives if you want to, which will make the game easier. There's also glitch, there's also glitch in the game that you can do to get. Um, uh, to be able to get infinite lives. Um, so, uh, you can jump in midair by doing a certain trick. Um, um, and you can also, uh, and there's also a way to be able to get, um, uh, like, you know, the rare, the rare, the rare, like, blue balloons, like, a bit easier, uh, by using this, uh, 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 by using this, like, glitch. So, a game, a, a game, a game as as this one has been, like, picked and analyzed and, like, played to death, so... Uh, yeah. So like, so like, peop- so people have gone forward and backwards all through this game and found numerous bugs, uh, bugs and uh, bugs and cheats and whatnot to, to to use in this game. So if you're a fan of the game, definitely, it's, it's definitely worthwhile checking these out because like, if this game's been examined, been examined, been examined, uh, very very thoroughly at this point. So, mm-hmm. but those are the more interesting ones I found. So, um. So yeah, so uh, George, let me ask you first because you're the first, uh, because you're the, uh, because you're the one of three of us who didn't have experience playing this game back then and, and playing it now for the first time. Um, what do you think about this game as a? Uh, uh, what were your what were your impressions about this game playing it now without any history nostalgia with it? Uh, both the good, uh, both the good and bad, uh, both the good and bad points for you. Understanding the fact that you're not a platformer. <laughs> uh, I didn't like playing it. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <Boo. laughs> no, I'm terrible. So you're that guy. You're yeah, the one. Set, set me, set me <laughs> on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> hey, I, it's funny. I know some pretty hardcore gamers that don't like platformers, and I'm like, huh? Yeah, <laughs> you know? I don't play too many platformers. Uh, uh, but one of these days, just because I'm kind of tired of them. I mean, like you know, d- yeah. Uh, but run their course. Um, I, I mean, I mean, there are exceptions. Yeah. Like for example, like you know, um, like you know, I loved. Probably because of the fact that it was kind of, kind of like you know, style and game, but Shovel Knight's awesome. Um, and, 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 I would that to be a platformer, but um, so there are exceptions. But uh, yeah, so anyway. um, so George, uh, maybe some I dislike is because of the fact you're not really a big fan of platformer games either. But I'm curious to hear what you think of. Uh, 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 maybe you can expand those thoughts like a bit more for us, please. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It just. <sighs> The game felt a little difficult for me. I mean, so I'm not very good at timing. Um, my accuracy is not great when it when it comes to jumping. Um, so it's a lot of oh, I just missed that guy's hitbox. Now he walked into me. I'm dead. Or oh, I timed this barrel thing wrong. I rammed into the enemy and now I'm dead. Or I overshot it and I fell and I died or I undershot it, whatever. 
But I mean, like, I enjoyed the game more when I watched somebody play it and when, you know, I just paid attention to things like the music and everything. That's so, cool. Yeah, the game was very impressive. It's like watching a really music. great cartoon or something. Yeah, something like that. Like, That's the cool. game, game was really impressive on the music and the way it looked. The animation was great. Um, I mean, oh, it's just, it's it's awesome to watch somebody play it, and then it's awesome to watch somebody, like, speedrun it, because there's so many, like, exploits, and it's like, oh, man, like, if you do this thing, like, yeah. specifically wrong, you could actually really mess the game up, and it's over for you, but, um, yeah, they actually did a, uh, they did a relay for AGDQ, uh, 2017 this year. Yeah, I and, see that. And, uh, they played through, yeah, they played through the, uh, the three games, and uh, that was really awesome. Just like I sat there and I watched the whole thing, and it was really cool. And just going to this game, covering it for this podcast, and I had to play it. And it's just like it just wasn't as good as if I was watching somebody play it. Okay. So I understand that. Like for me, it's more of a distance game. You know, like I'll stay away from the controller for this game. But like, if somebody is really good at it and plays it, like it's really fun to watch. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So it sounds like yeah. So it sounds like you. It sounds like you really love the graphics and music. It's like the whole and the whole presentation of the game. It's just like just actually playing the game. You like you need to find like to be uh, too much fun. Yeah. That's fair. I can understand that. Um, Brett, let me ask you uh, because you're the one who has the who has a, who has a, who has a, who has a huge history like this game. Um, I believe I believe I know the answer to this already, but I'm going to ask it like the record. Um, do you think the game holds up like holds up like holds up today now like as well as it did back then? Yeah, I really do. Uh, the strength of the the controls and just the uh, it looks so nice and just the secrets and surprises and. The the two player action. I mean, I think it holds up very well, and I still enjoy playing it. My wife is, and I, as a matter of fact, started over on it recently after years oh, nice. of, not, of, of years of not us playing it together. So yeah, that that's cool. So we find ourselves laughing and having a great time again. So very well. Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle for this game. Uh, I certainly do. Um, I had fun playing it. Uh, I mean, it was fun going back to it, uh, going back to it after not touching the game for like 15 years. Um, and uh, I still pretty much feel the same way now as I did back then. I think it's a very good platformer. Um, it's just not my cup of tea. Um, yeah. Uh, just because of the fact that I'm kind of not really too much on platformers anymore these days. But as far as the, it was certainly certainly very impressive when it came out. I, I still think I still I, I still think the game looks looks and plays great today. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's a very solid platformer. I, I, I recognize I recognize this is a great game. I recognize I recognize that it's very fun. I can also recognize the complaints and problems that the, the problems that the problems that people have about the game. Um, and just like you know, well, anytime a game has a reputation as being you know so famous and so you know on somebody's list of favorites and stuff. You're gonna have people pick it apart, you know, and or call it overrated or whatever. It just comes yeah. with the territory. I do think it's I mean, a, a bit sign- overrated, but I still certainly agree. It's certainly like it, it's deserving. It's certainly deserving in its place. It's one of the best Super NES games. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I would I not. Could, I would, fair enough. I, I would not take that away from it at all. It's certainly, it's certainly a classic. Anybody who's not played this game and enjoys platformers at all definitely should check this game out because I think it certainly holds up very yeah. well today. Um, just like you know, and you know, um, if you want to play an emulation uh, or, or, or play on the virtual console, like we have save states, uh, because it certainly can help. It, it, uh, I, I think it can help. It can help in certain areas. 
Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, just make your make your make your game plan experience easier. She's maybe not very good at the game, so but uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, and and, and anybody who's a fan of the games. Modern versions definitely is worthwhile going back and going back and checking to, going back checking out this game because it's like it's amazing to me how similar the games still kind of feel. Um, uh, the later, yeah, ones, yeah, it, yeah. It, uh, yeah, definitely. You definitely feel like especially you're playing the classic when just new levels or something. Especially with a different studio making the games now. I mean, that's so rare mm-hmm. because, like you know, ha, rare, but uh, uh, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> yes, done. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> When another studio takes over takes over franchise, there's usually there's usually a very, a very radical change in the games. But this, but not in this case. Uh, the, uh, the new ones, the new ones certainly look, uh, look, look and seem to get, and look and seem to and seem to play. Because I mean, I haven't played the Wii Wii U ones. So, the, the, yeah, they're they're very faithful to the yeah. classic style. So. Yeah, that was yeah that was very impressive. So well done by them. So um, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, definitely. I think this game, I think this game certainly certainly holds up today as far as a platformer. Um, just like you know, it just yeah. not, it, it's just not my personal cup of tea. Um, uh, um, it, um, I won't go back to it, but it's not because it's a bad game, not at all. It's just not something that it's just not the kind of game that I really enjoy. But this is like doing playing uh, playing very much these days. But like I said, uh, I I've but but like you said, Brett, I have no experience playing this two playing two player. I, I think if you're playing with somebody else, it certainly it certainly enhances the game appeal like quite a bit. So yeah, uh, I definitely play this, I, I definitely I definitely would want to play uh, uh, would relish a chance to play this, to play this with somebody else because I kind of think that yeah, can, especially if it's like like we, I mean I think we might be starting to repeat ourselves here, but uh, <laughs> but playing it with. Uh, you know, it'd be the perfect game to introduce, like, if you have a little nephew or, or niece or something you want to play a game with. Not I too think little, but yeah. Introductory but, uh, yeah. Game. I mean, like, you know... Uh... Oh, don't make me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, just because of the, you know, like I said, you know, the better player can get through the harder parts. Right. Yeah. So... Um, Anyhow. Yep. That was all I had to say about the game, I think. Um, um, uh, you think? George, did you have any other final thoughts, like, on the game? Mm, no. Okay. No. Uh, Brett, how about on your end? I think we covered it pretty fully. Okay. Well, it was certainly great having you on the podcast. Um, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, mu- I appreciate it. Yeah, I've enjoyed talking to you guys. Yeah, thank you very yeah, much. Thanks for having you on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you very much you for taking bet. time on your busy schedule to come on here, t- come on here, talk about your books and your upcoming project and project a uh, project and covering the game with us. Uh, we, we did. Sure. If you want, to, if you want future updates, like just to see what's going on, you can like on on Facebook. Just go to Classic Home Video Games on Facebook and just like my Facebook page. Uh, like I said, it's Classic Home Video Games, and I'll have updates on my Super Nintendo book. And you can find and you can go to my website, brettweisswords.com. You can find uh, you know articles and links to my books and stuff that way. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, you anybody who's not read his books, definitely I, I recommend checking them out, especially if you're a fan of like classic, you know, classic consoles, because all uh, I've got his books like are very, like a very well written, uh, easy to read, very fun to go through. Um, you may not agree with all the opinions, but they're all very, but they're all very backed up. I thought so. Um. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank, thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. But uh, yeah, and we definitely would, and we yeah, we definitely would. We definitely would love to have you back on um, at some point to talk about another, like you know, like uh, a game system, 
too much we're going to enjoy. So. Please don't make it Donkey Kong Country here. <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a non-platformer next time. Awesome. <laughs> All right, man. Good talking Welcome to you guys. Back. All right, sir. Thank you very much for the help. I appreciate it very much. And you know, thank you for uh, and thank you for gracing us um, uh, to this episode like your presence. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Talk take care. Later. Hey, thanks. All right, bye. And we thank you guys for uh, very much listening for like listening to another episode of Bring It Podcast and special for uh, and again a, a, a very special th- a, a special thanks to Brett Weiss for being on the podcast with us. Um, George, what game recovery next time? Uh, Mario Paint. Mario Paint, another classic game. Uh, um, uh, another another game published by Nintendo. Um, we're gonna be for sure. Most, most people know the uh, most people know. Most people are familiar with this game because it's a uh, the ability to be able to create tons of music, like the music player of it. But the uh, but um, uh, it's also like a very good paint program uh, containing the car as well, and a pretty good mini game as well. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about all. So we're going to be talking about all aspects, um, like all aspects, uh, like, like all aspects about this classic game. And George is also going to give us even the mouse. Yep. And George, George, George has George has an actual Super NES mouse. So even though we've already covered covered the mouse uh, in, a, in about the, like an early podcast, George will talk about his his first hand his first hand experience actually 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 using the actually actually using the mouse and how well it works. That's not first hand experience. I've had experience with it before. First hand, I, I mean, I mean that means like actually using using the device yourself directly. So. Okay. It fits. Don't be nitpicky. <laughs> oh, I get it. Hand. You use your hand to use the mouse. It's not. It's a good one. It, it, that wasn't what I was going for, but whatever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so, George, how can somebody reach you if they're so inclined? Oh, boy. Uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter. That's uh, at Mr. Chief, at M I S T U R C H E E F. But uh, you can also find me in other places, such as my podcasts, um, The Box Fort, which is not family-friendly, uh, PlayStation Power, uh, podcast Greg and I do, right. uh, cover PlayStation, PlayStation 2 games. I actually have an interesting thing to talk about that on that podcast. Can't wait. <laughs> um, that is not family-friendly. And I also do Master System Masterpieces, which we cover uh, Master System games. And uh, our last episode was uh, very interesting. Yes, um, I, I've not listened to it yet, but I definitely will check it out soon. Yes, <laughs> uh, I'm behind a podcast like right now, trying to catch up. So I hear you. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, we are. We also we also have a Facebook page. Uh, please come on there and like uh, to get updates, uh, updates information on when you episodes drop and that kind of stuff. Uh, you can also email us directly at the SNES podcast at yahoo.com if you have any questions, comments, suggestions for games, etc. Um, as, as I mentioned earlier, we have more we have more guest hosts planned like in the future. So, so stay, as we stay tuned, uh, we are a proud member of both the Retro Junkies and Throwback Networks, where you can find other great retro themed podcasts, both gaming, both gaming and non gaming related. So check them out. Mm-hmm. And if you use iTunes, uh, we're on there as well, and we very, very much appreciate like review. So I think that's about it. Um, George, thank you again for uh, I thank you again for doing another, another podcast uh, podcast here with me. And they, um, of course, 
we will we will get into some interesting more interesting games coming up pretty soon that I hopefully will be more to your liking. <laughs> yeah, like Mario Paint. It's a, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, the stretch yeah, the stretch calling Mario Paint a game is a very hey. but but it works. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're we're keeping up the very interesting, different, special stuff uh, with the episodes with the episodes coming up. So stay tuned for that. If you're into if you're an oddball, weird stuff, we got more of that coming up for you. So so so, so keep listening. <laughs> yep. Uh, thank you again very much out there for your support and take care all. Goodbye. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game, or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Doom Bomb.